Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. That was enough of a pause that you like looked at a cute card like, what are we talking about? What the, what, 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 what's it going to be this week? Oh, games? Okay. Pest maintenance? Yeah. Oh, games. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I think I can make games work this week. Um, maybe not next week, but this week I think I can make it work. <laughs> I, ju- I want to open the show with uh, two things. Number one, I'm just very happy that it is like actually a fall day outside here in New York oh, City. Yeah. I have the window open. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. I'm in my element. I feel very good. I feel better than I felt in a long time. For those of you who listened to the patron bonus episode about Resident Evil and heard my tale of the one mosquito that's been living in my house, that mosquito is dead. I win. I came out on top. I have been sleeping normally. I've been sleeping well. I feel great. Thank you. I'm refreshed. Thank you for clapping. It was very good. Number two. We already announced this, but you and I are playing through all the Luigi's Mansion games for our bonus episode this month. We're doing the Luigi's Mansion trilogy as our spooky season bonus episode for 2021. And I am so... Okay, so I've been playing them. I am so extremely cursed at this point. Like literally, Stephen, every free moment I have where my brain isn't actively thinking about something, I am humming the Luigi's Mansion tune. (laughs) It is so annoying. I'm annoying myself at this point doing it. I can't even imagine what it's like to like be near me. Sure. Uh, But it is infectious. Those games are great. I'm so excited to talk about them. I'm so glad I'm finally playing them. But like, man, that that song is catchy. I will say, like, on top of that point, uh, if you leave, uh, I've been playing Dark Moon more most recently on the 3ds and if you leave the game idle luigi will start humming the theme yeah too. he yeah he does that in the first one too yeah as, as you're just like wandering around he just like hums it which is great He's like hmm, hmm, yeah, yeah i love it i love it so much it's such a nice touch because he's that's so gonna be a fun scared discussion but like that's the only <laughs> thing he can do is just hum a song that he heard once which of course is the, uh, it's very meta. It's very interesting. We'll we'll talk about it more in that episode. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll have to save that for. I and hopefully, and the plan is to release that on Halloween. That should be the case. But you know, we'll let you know if it's earlier or later. Obviously, yeah. But look forward to that. So anyway, I'm just very excited to do that. Uh, that's gonna be fun. I've been having a really good time playing those games. Oh, one one more thing that's worth mentioning. So as I just said, uh, our Resident Evil Village spoiler bonus episode went out for the patrons the other day uh, as of this recording. And also as of this recording, tomorrow we'll be launching the uh, Making the Aether bonus episode to patrons. Um, so if you back us on Patreon, you get access to those episodes. Thank you so much to the patrons for making this so possible. As we said, you know, we're, we're taking uh, a little bit of a backseat on patron stuff for a little bit. You know, just like if something pops up and we like kind of feel the urge to do it, we'll do it. And and in this case, two things just happen to happen very close <laughs> to one another. But yeah, I, th- I think just like as things pop up, we'll uh, we'll jump into them. Yeah, but, I think yeah. Our, our original plan was like to treat every patron bonus like it was a bonus episode, which tend to be like our kind of grandest thing we do every month. And that was a little too much for our current schedules. But I think like and again, let us know. But I think the Resident Evil Village one was the perfect case of, like, OK, we've already talked about this game on the show. It's not quite like we don't really want to do a bonus on it, but we want to talk about it more. Right. So like, right, right, right. That's not to say that like only patrons will get spoiler discussions like we'll still do that on the normal show and we'll announce it you know that's going to be a spoiler section but that might be something we do you know if it's okay like this is like in that sort of like ambiguous phase of like we want to talk about it more but we've already sort of covered it like that might be a good place for the patron yeah stuff yeah the true aether the the ethereal zone <laughs> between regular and bonus episode what is it nobody knows yeah so i i would like to think that like you know and again the us taking a backseat is is just us not 
directly promising like every month but i imagine like now having that idea on the table like it will happen somewhat more frequently than if we were like just doing a big new idea every month yeah and I'm, I'm sure like a nintendo direct will drop it'll make us both like lose <laughs> our minds or something you know yeah like what like the one that happened this week which we'll talk about later but uh yeah yeah, yeah. But anyway, let us know uh, what you think about that plan. And uh, I think it feels good for the time being. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. All right. Let's get into let's get into gaming. I've been very busy at work, so I have not played that much stuff. You have played so much stuff in our planning for this episode. uh, We called it the Steven special or I called it the Steven special because this is like full Steven Hilger episode. And I'm very excited about it. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, I had like the perfect balance of like no plans and a slightly bad cold that I'm like, oh, hell, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I don't play eight games this week. (laughs) Uh, Kicking it off with, you guessed it, Final Fantasy (laughs) 1. So last week, you sold me on the Pixel Remasters. Square recently revealed that they are doing these Pixel Remasters for the, I think Final Fantasy 1 through, I guess, 6, right? Yeah, 1 through 6. And one through four currently out. And it was, as we discussed last week, like it was kind of a bizarre like marketing campaign because like it just, it, you know, it was like they sh- they showed off like the difference of like, you know, how the graphics look. Cause it's worth noting, too, that like previously to these pixel remasters, like the Steam and mobile ports of Final Fantasy were like infamously bad. Like they looked yeah. hideous. They like smoothed out all the sprites. So they looked like MS Paint art, but like not in a charming Earthbound way, just in like a. Yeah. It's just bad. Yeah. One. Of, yeah. One of the things I meant to mention last week too in the discussion about that, and also the Dragon Quest Eight mobile port is Square Enix is also notoriously terrible at keeping their stuff updated and available. So, like for example, I don't even know if this is true anymore. I think they recently removed it, but there was like a good year and a half where you could download Final Fantasy Nine on iOS, and it just didn't work. Like they were selling <laughs> it for like twenty dollars, and it just didn't work. And eventually they just removed it. And all those people who bought it in that year just didn't get a playable video game. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think like in concept, there was definitely a demand like, hey, like get this at least working. Yeah. (laughs) But the Pixel Remasters, like, you know, I kind of was like sort of ambiguously interested. Like I liked how they looked, um, but then they revealed like gameplay and the font looked like similar to like the Arial font in the old mobile ports and like. Then they revealed the price and it was like a little they revealed how much it cost for all of them, which was like ninety dollars. Yeah, like hundred bucks. Yeah. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is this? So I just sort of wrote it off. But like I saw on Twitter, everyone who had it was like tweeting really good things about it. So like I had a lot of friends who were, you know, specifically really into video game music, and I was seeing like them like lose their minds in a good way about how great the orchestrations are. Yeah, man. And then you came last week with uh, the Pixel Remaster 4 and like really loved it. So I was sold on it and I, I've never played one, two or three. So I was like, okay, those I'm probably going to get one of those. And I feel like that's a good place to play it. Yeah. So I got one. You know, I figure if I'm if, if I'm as big of a Final Fantasy fan as I say I am, I should play the very first Final Fantasy. Yeah. And I really love it. The actual like remaster, I think, really shines when you actually see it on your phone. Like, I think like seeing screenshots is cool. Like you get you get a certain level of detail there, but it doesn't really like hit home until you're actually playing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm continuously like caught off guard by how beautiful it is. Like yeah. in just a random battle. It will have like. Fire Emblem Game Boy Advance level pixel art for like the 
mm-hmm. the natural arena that you're fighting in. You know, like the, the sprites for the characters and the enemies look great, but I'm I'm most impressed by how the backgrounds have been rendered. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I, th- I feel like with with these six games in particular, remastering them the way that they have been. If you go and play the first one, the the difference between the original Final Fantasy one and the pixel remaster is gigantic. I mean, it's a huge oh, gap huge, between yeah, what those yeah. two are doing visually. And then when we get up to six, a little less dramatic like it, it's right. a less dramatic increase in fidelity from one through six and four i think was a fun one to pick because like it's kind of halfway there there are like vert like the psp version for example looks a little bit like the pixel remaster one but like has a little bit more of an octopath traveler shading thing going on but like there are versions of four that look similar to the pixel remaster just like oh it's nice to have it on your phone with quality of life stuff but one is like one is like a night and day huge yeah. difference yeah because one was on the nes so like yeah i'm pretty sure one two and three were all nes one and two mm-hmm. definitely and all i really knew about one was that like you made your own party and that the villain said i'm gonna knock you all down which he still <laughs> says which I'm, I'm a big fan of thank you garland um but yeah i knew it was like very much like a classic like almost D sim in that way where you make a party of four you choose like what class everyone is what their names are mm-hmm. i have a party of four of a knight a thief a white mage and a black mage, very classic. Um, but there's also a monk and there's also a red mage. I really like that. Like it, it's stuff that like we've seen time and time again since this game has come out. But I do like that control like from go, you know, like yeah. just being like, OK, like how do I want this playthrough to feel? Red mages are sort of like a jack of all trades. They can use weapons, but they can also use white magic and black magic, but they'll never be like the best at anything. Monks, I, I looked up like what monks were like Final Fantasy 1 because I didn't really know the distinction between like knight, thief, or monk. And monks basically like start off really bad, but then become amazing. So they're mm. like Donald. The, the Donald situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want a Donald on the team, yeah. choose a monk. I went thief because I'm like, you know, I want the classic four. And their names are Jurgen, Vin, Merle, and Bet. And you can name them yourself. Yeah, exactly. Be, yeah. The, okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those that's all me. Yeah. Um Jurgen is the hero of light in Final Fantasy One. Yeah. And um, on the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and on the Great British Bake Off, exactly. Yeah. I, I have been watching that. Uh no coincidence there. But yeah, it's like so, you know, production is like the visuals and everything, the music, like playing this with headphones on like on the couch or in bed is yeah. like just so soothing and cool. And the game itself, like, I don't know, like, I feel like there are definitely quality of life improvements from what I remembered hearing about one. Like the big thing about the original Final Fantasy one is that you give your party, you know, attack or whatever. But if you chose to attack an enemy that a previous ally killed, they would attack a blank space mm. that has been fixed. Good. So that's not okay. happening anymore. Cause that was the big thing. I'm like, if that's, if that's happening, I will not have fun because that just sucks. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that was like an immediate lesson learned after one came out. So that's not happening. And other other than that, I don't really know like how like one to one it is. I, I read some Reddit threads where they're like mostly it's like a pretty accurate recreation of one. So that's like cool to see because like honestly, I'm really enjoying just how loose and structured it is. I mean, the fact that it was on the NES like... You know, we talk a lot about RPGs that like have an authored experience or ones that let you fill in the blanks. This is the kind of game where they're like really giving you nothing 
like in, in kind of in a good way, like you make your party of four and they show up like with crystals in their hand already. Like you already have the crystals, which I love. They're like, oh shit, you must be the chosen heroes. Like go do your thing. Yeah. Like that's it. Like it really is totally up to you to figure out like who these characters are and like where you want to go. Like it, it weirdly has kind of like an open world vibe to it in the sense that like the game opens and there's some restriction. Like there's a bridge that isn't fixed until you go like the first dungeon, Hmm. but you very quickly like go to a town where everyone's like, there are pirates here. And then you beat the pirates and they're like, do you want our ship? We're not good at being pirates. (laughs) (laughs) So now I just have a ship. And um, what's interesting is that you mentioned last week about the person in four who's like, I love to dance. And they start dancing. Yeah. In one, there's also a dancer in every town, but they give you hints, but it's framed Hmm. as like, do you want to dance with me? Why aren't you going east where there's a cave? Like, it's always, <laughs> why are you dancing with me? Here's the next place you should go. I love that. Which is very funny. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, it's it's very charming. Like, I feel like uh, <laughs> the thing about Final Fantasy is that since, like, at this point in time, every game is so distinct. Like, you can kind of group some together at, like, what the vibe is or what, like, the intention of the game is. Like, I feel like four through six are like, kind of a similar vibe. And then, like, seven through nine are similar. And then, like, it gets kind of more distinct with each entry. So it's, like, hard to say, like, oh, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you should definitely play one. Because, like, it may not have anything like that you like about the series in it yeah but as as like an rpg fan i think it's really cool to see where the series began and in 2021 i just enjoy having a game on my phone where i can like explore a a pretty world map and like get into battles and like just sort of treat it as like a very passive chill like i'm gonna get into a few battles explore a cave and see what's next like yeah And that's kind of like, I think the NES sort of thrived, uh, or not thrived, but like a lot of games like this were purposely designed to like have you discover things on your own. The problem is I feel like a lot of the games fall into sort of archaic pitfalls of like giving you no direction, so it just gets frustrating. Yeah. And this game does have that. Like, I don't really know where to go next, despite the dancer telling me clues. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, it's short enough and concise enough and simple enough that like, just kind of exploring until I stumble into something is an enjoyable experience. Yeah, right. And the combat is like, pretty fresh like it feels like you know they definitely like kind of at least in this remaster this is the combat you expect out of a classic final fantasy it's fun it's like fast it's fun to get new abilities it's very interesting what they do with the mage classes because they literally have D spell slots so you don't have mp you have like oh this is a level one spell that you can use three times until you have oh. a short rest so like it very much is like here's D the video game yeah which i actually think is a lot of fun Fun. Like going into it knowing that, I think you'll have a lot of fun kind of stamping your own personality onto the adventure. Yeah, that's really interesting. It does, it also does sound a little bit like tonally they were inspired by the first Dragon Quest as well, which mm-hmm. uh, is fun. I think, I think that's fun for Final Fantasy at least uh, because they definitely like grew into their own vibe. And, and I, I think what's wonderful about that franchise uh, as opposed to Dragon Quest specifically is that they're very comfortable kind of like being malleable and trying new stuff. Um, oh, and yeah. I, and I like that one is just like a Dragon Quest tone layered on top of like, actually, though, we're just going to do d and That's like a very fun idea. Yeah. And, and going back to what you were talking about, 
about having this on your phone. I think that's like one of the reasons I so frequently push back against the pushback against mobile games. You know, like anytime something gets released on mobile, like in this case, when the Pixel remasters got announced for mobile, a lot of people, myself included, were like, it's weird that this isn't going to be on console. Like, it's weird that they didn't announce it for Switch and PS5 and 4 and the Xboxes and all that kind of stuff. Like, it feels like so made for Game Pass, things like that. But I'm glad that they're releasing it on mobile first because I think that it is a place where I'm going to want to play these games more. Like, as much as I would love to play Six on Switch and, like, have that ability to play in handheld mode or dock it or whatever, like, depending on how I'm feeling, having this stuff on mobile first means I will play it more frequently because it's always there. Like, all I have to do, and I did this with Four, I just threw it on my home screen. I have, a, I have on my on my iPhone, I have a one-page home screen. It's been my vibe, like, forever. I just have, like, 10 or 15 apps, and then I use the app library if I need to, like, search for stuff. But I always have one game on my home screen. And right now, it's Final Fantasy Four, and because of that, I've been playing it on and off, you know, in, like, free moments. I guess for like two weeks at this point and it's been great and I've played more of it than I ever have and that's that's really wonderful I think it's really great which is why I'm such an advocate for getting long RPGs like this on mobile because it doesn't it doesn't force you to sit down in front of a TV and be like all right I'm gonna dump you know three hours into this archaic thing from the 80s <laughs> well that's the thing I think it's like it's hard there are certain games that like like a persona experience I feel very comfortable sitting on a couch and dumping you know, unholy amounts of hours into that game because it feels like a main event. Whereas this game, like it feels weird to like clear out two hours of the night on the couch on the TV. Whereas like in the odd hours of the day, just to sort of check in with it. And again, having the quick save options, having like, you know, fast forwarding battles and stuff like it just works, especially, you know, for a game like one that is so um, sort of like loose in its structure. Uh, And I think if you were to like, play it on TV, you would probably be more easily frustrated on where to go next because like you're just sort of getting into battles. But like there are so many like new mobile games that try to do exactly what Final Fantasy one is doing Mm -hmm. that it feels like right at home, weirdly enough. Yeah. And there's some like you could tell they were like there are very, very early ideas of like uh, cinema at play in Final Fantasy. And I say that very loosely because it's Final Fantasy one. But like when you like do the first dungeon, it's this beautiful like shot of like a kingdom in the distance and the silhouette of the four adventurers on a cliff and there's a text scroll and like yeah you know it just it just does a lot to really flavor the adventure and of course like i think dragon quest kind of stuck into that like cool like we're gonna give you that like comfortable fanciful flavor and and then you know every final fantasy after has been like let's do cutscenes for half of it (laughs) (laughs) but um it's cool i i really enjoy it i think it's also a little bit cheaper than the other ones i think it's 11 dollars. so like you know whether or not that's too expensive to you is subjective but uh, i i feel like for the quality of the production, it does feel like I paid for something that like, you know, I, I don't feel ripped off at yeah. all. The only thing bad about it is the font. And honestly, even when you're playing it, like it's not unsightly. It's just sort of like a little small and a little bit clashy, but like it yeah. doesn't look awful when you're actually playing it. And as you and I have talked about off the show as well, like from an accessibility standpoint, like I would rather have like slightly worse fonts if it means more people can enjoy these games, you know? Oh yeah, like, totally. I, I, I do wish that there was, I, I think one of my favorite examples recently is Loop Hero. Loop Hero has three font options. One of them is like, here's the font that matches the rest of the art, you know? Uh, and then here's another version that's just like a kind of like a standard um, like sans serif font. And then another one that is like the most legible font 
font that exists on in the planet, which like clashes super hard with Loop Hero and, and what they're going for graphically, but like allows more people to play the game. Um, and it seems like that's kind of what Square has gone for uh, in, in yeah. a sense. And even though it doesn't like look great, it's still like perfectly readable and doesn't really detract from like me being engaged in the story and what's happening. So, yeah. Also, if you get these on PC, which you can, there are people who have already modded in like different fonts. So <laughs> just, you know. If that's if that's the option for you, like go do that. It was cool to see though, because I think like a lot of the reviews in the app store are like one star. Where's controller support? One star. You ruined my life. Yeah. But every app gets those. Yeah. I mean, um, I look. I I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm definitely not a uh, go on the internet and rate something one star kind of guy, unless it's Cats 2019, which like deserved <laughs> it. Um, but I still liked it on Letterboxd, but it did get one and a half. Yeah, stars. my Letterboxd yeah. review for Cats, just to be clear, is one star. Quote the best movie going experience of my life. That's that's my Letterboxd <laughs> review of Cats. Anyway, I'm not that kind of person, but there are things that I would like to improve about about. Oh yeah, totally. These I think I think for one thing, I would love to have controller support. I have a backbone. The previous version of Final Fantasy IV on iOS had controller support, and this one doesn't, which is bizarre. Yeah. And then the other thing, honestly, and and I know that this is not going to be your thing, but it would have been mine if it was here. Some of the um some of the remakes and ports of I, th- I think it's seven through ten. No, seven through nine had this feature where you could turn on like infinite damage. So like everyone in your party did like 9000 damage every time you attacked. Um, And then for the ones that had like limit breaks and stuff, it was like full limit meter at all times, things like that, that I didn't use. But I did use the 9000 damage and like 3x speed every once in a while, just for stuff that's like, I am just really trying to experience the story of this. Like I am not I'm not in this for grinding out to beat this fucking boss you know like that's not why i'm playing final fantasy 7 like i want to see the story that all these people have told me for years i need to experience and it was nice that they had that stuff in there so i could experience that and i kind of wish that that stuff was in the pixel remasters because if it was dude i would be i would buy all six fly through all of them like if there was a way to quickly experience the story of this stuff i would be very into it the thing about one is that it's like not a story it's like very loose that yeah that's i was just gonna say like if you did that with one there would be nothing left right yeah that is like literally it because the like you said i don't want to grind out to fight this boss that's the game that's the game is like finding a boss and being like how and i like that i like I like RPGs that are all about like the prep phase, uh, you know, sort of like Monster Hunter, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I know what the objective is. How are we going to get there? Towns are like scarce enough that it's always like a relief to find them and you buy like a tent. Like, I love that kind of gauging. Okay, like, what's ahead of us? Yeah. What should we do to prepare? I definitely get like wanting to fly through the like later ones. Um, four. You could probably do that because, again, like, I think that there is a story there worth experiencing. But But again, I mean, my thing with four still stands where I feel like I've been on a knife's edge the entire time where, like, I always feel like I'm underprepared for a thing and then make it out by the skin of my teeth. And it's been exhilarating every time. And, like, that's a great experience. Don't get me wrong. But if I run into a point where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to grind for a while, that's going to maybe be the thing that, like, rubs me the wrong way. I don't remember four being too grindy. Uh, maybe like at the very end, but like I, definitely not as much as other ones yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, I've, I've been fine so far. Yeah, you got it. You're cool. You're hip. <laughs> I, I bring up the mobile app reviews, though, just because like combined with the marketing and then seeing the reviews in the app store, I was like very unsure of the quality of the actual thing. Totally. But like, yeah. talking to people who actually have it and seeing like, when, when you finally talk to regular people who weren't very online. Right. But it's like, yeah. you know, if you 
I, I've never thought that a Reddit thread would be where I would get a sober take on something. But like, <laughs> you know, the people yeah. who haven't are talking about it. Like, it seems like especially like one and three, like this is the way to play them. Because yes. three, this is the only version of three that has been released in the US other than the DS remake. Right. Which was like, you know, it, it's as if like you only got the four DS remake. Yeah. So like this really is the first time you can play three, like as close to as it was, mm-hmm. which is exciting. I actually might pick up three eventually, but um, I think one, you should get all of them. I think you should do it. Yeah, I should probably do it. Right. But uh, I, I am having a great time with with Final Fantasy one. And uh, it's charming in a way I didn't expect. I was I was very prepared for it to be like, OK, this is cool. I can see why it made it the splash it did. And that's still like. That's still like overall the feeling, but there's a little bit more engaging me than I was expecting. And maybe that's credit to the pixel remaster. You know, I don't know if I would have felt that way if I just booted up my barely alive NES and <laughs> put in the like floppy disk size game and then, you know, <laughs> fought Garland after he knocked me all down. Yeah. Do you feel like you're ready for Final Fantasy Strangers of Paradise when that <sighs> drops next year? Dude, I am so conflicted on whether or not I'm going to get that. At first, I had zero interest. But as we've seen more and more ridiculous footage, I'm genuinely more curious. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the bullshit playing Limp Bizkit on your phone, like, that weirdly sold me. Because I'm like, this is either, like... I have no idea. I've I've seen some arguments of whether or not it's like ironically breaking the fourth wall. I do not think so. I don't I think, think it is. I think it's completely Wait, trying to be serious. Sorry, just to back up, just to be clear, there's a game coming out soon yes. called Final Fantasy Stranger Paradise, which apparently takes place in the timeline of Final Fantasy One. Uh, you you've seen the stuff. It's a prequel to one, I think. It's okay, like an yes. origin story for one in right. a different universe. You, you've seen some stuff online about this game via all of the screen caps of uh, the guy saying over and over again, I'm going to kill chaos like that. That is the thing that this game is from. They showed it off again recently. I think it was at Tokyo Game Show where there was um, there, there was a clip that they showed of the main character and the party talking to, I think, the villain. And at a certain point deciding, I don't want to talk to this person anymore, pulling an iPhone out out of his pocket again this is final fantasy one he pulls an iphone out of his pocket and presses play on spotify and plays a limp biscuit song out of his iphone speakers as they all walk away and that that to me is like peak camp and the fact (laughs) the fact that i don't think they know it's camp makes it camp in this case oh yeah and maybe makes it something worth playing we'll see i'm we'll see as like you Everything they show where they are like more and more unaware of what this game is. I am like, maybe this is going to be a hit. Yeah. Unintentional hit. It just it's kind of depressing to play Final Fantasy one and being like, oh, man, like this is such like a (laughs) joyous experience. You could stamp you could stamp any creative lens you want to over this. And here we are now. We're like getting someone's stamp. And it's like, this is what you filled in the blanks. <laughs> like the worst gap has to offer yeah. a new metal. Oh, it is on. the exact opposite of yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake. It is the exact yes, yes. opposite. And I'm, I'm terrified they are going to merge somehow. I'm terrified. I've said this before. I don't want Jack to show up. <laughs> In FF7 Remake <laughs> Chapter 2. There is a world, though, where this is Pendants. And there's like a 25% chance he does. You know, like I can yeah. feel it. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely. Yeah, there's there's a world in which it happens. I'm choosing to believe that Strangers of Paradise is Pendants for how good 7 Remake was. Like 7 mm. Remake, 
or, or sorry, Strangers of Paradise lived so Seven Remake could uh, thrive. You know what I mean? Yeah, the devil, the devil was like, Namora, I, I can breathe new life into one of your games and take another life away. Yeah. Like, that was the deal. And right. we got seven and one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I uh, Is it being made by Team Ninja? Is that who's developing it? Or yeah. No? Yeah. It's Team Ninja. Okay. The intention of the gameplay seems to be to make it more of a like Dragon's Dogma, Dark Souls style combat, which I'm not totally against. I don't really need that or want that. Yeah. But I'm not against trying out that idea, especially as like Final Fantasy plays around with more and more real time combat. Like that is interesting. Yeah. But like, I, I'm very interested in it from a mechanic standpoint. And yeah. then the story being completely. <laughs> bonkers is like the worst it could be is boring and it clearly will not be that yeah totally yeah i just don't want it to ruin the things i love anyway the pixel remasters are good so far honestly like hearing you talk about one it's just getting me more excited for when six comes out because this is all just like prepping me to finally play six um i'm I'm so excited that i really i really hope that version is good um and if not i have it in like five other places uh so i'll i'll play six soon i i I think i i'm pretty optimistic it will be good i think the bigger question is like is it the way to play it you know exactly because six even though it's an older game is the kind of game you could still play on a big tv and be like yeah oh yeah this is the night kind of thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of how engaging the story is and everything um although honestly like i i would love to eventually like maybe this will be a bonus one day if we like go through the retro final fantasies like one through six in some way oh my god um that could be fun but uh i would love to see like where we land because i think the big thing is like four versus six and i'm like feeling like i'm becoming a forehead you know like i feel like uh, <laughs> i didn't mean to do that but i like it are you a forehead dude yeah man <laughs> i'm a big forehead i just i'm drinking apple cider with whiskey in it and i almost spit it up at forehead <laughs> i'm a cecil man you know um <laughs> Anyway, so that's Final Fantasy 1. Do you want to take a short break and then do the next game, or do you want to just go right into it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we could just throw breaks whenever we want. There are no rules. It's our show. Yeah. Let me pull out my iPhone and play some Limp Bizkit. <laughs> Everybody sucks. <laughs> um. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. Uh, so my my session continues. What do you say? Steven's Corner? What was this episode? Uh, the Steven special. The Steven special. Thank you for this time, this opportunity. Yeah. Honored to be nominated, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> the next game I played in this like mild cold week I had was Dragon Age 2, <laughs> which I'm very excited to talk about. Um, I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah. So a lot of these picks, too, are me finally going back to my Xbox Series S and just like, having a game pass spelunking session because like there's even more on there currently there's also (laughs) worth noting for our spooky season segment there is a whole category on game pass called shocktober yeah it's like all halloween games pretty good selection really good stuff in there yeah but uh, i was going through and I, i downloaded a bunch of stuff uh some stuff that i'll probably talk about in the weeks ahead um but one of the games i got was dragon age 2 because I don't know. So Dragon Age 2 uh, is kind of the like black sheep of the Dragon Age trilogy, although it's interesting. So Dragon Age is is a big Bioware series. In many ways, it's kind of like the fantasy Mass Effect. The timeline is like 
old school Bioware did stuff like Kodor and Baldur's Gate. And then Mass Effect in 2008, I think, kind of like marked a significant change in the, in the type of games they were going to make from that point on. Yeah. So like Mass Effect's, I think, intention was like, OK, in our older games, we had this sort of like broad scope of role playing for the player. Now we want to provide like a heavier, more cinematic experience um, and by heavy, I just mean like your choices are going to really have like cinematic flair. Yeah. And we talk about this a lot on the Mass Effect bonus and just also in general on this show of like, again, this sort of dynamic between authored experience and freedom to role play and what a delicate balance Mass Effect is and like how often it succeeds and also fails at that balance. Mm. But most of the time, it's like amazing. They pull it off as well as they do. Yeah. So Mass Effect 1 came out then and then Dragon Age Origins, the first Dragon Age game, came out in 2009. So like right after Mass Effect 1. And in retrospect, if you look at the games Bioware was sort of making and then Mass Effect coming out, Dragon Age Origins sort of reminds me of like Final Fantasy IX in the sense that Final Fantasy IX came out post seven and eight, which were huge departures for the series at that point. Yeah. And nine was like an homage to the past. In many ways, Origins feels like a modern take at an old school Bioware game. Because mm. it, you know, the the protagonist of Origins is the Grey Warden. <laughs> There's a very concrete setup, as the name implies, every character you can make has a pre-written origin story that you choose. So the first like two hours of the game are that origin story that will also like bleed into the rest of the game. But you have that like unique opening to your character. And then you have the joining of the Grey Wardens. But throughout that whole game, the freedom to role play is pretty huge. Like, I think Dragon Age Origins is is still as esteemed as it is because of the freedom to be whoever within a really, like, well-told story. Yeah. Um, but the way it plays, you know, it plays like KOTOR. It plays like an old-school RPG uh, there is zero room for forgiveness when you <laughs> class a character a certain way. If you messed up, that's it. You're stuck at the broodmother. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and so I, I've played Dragon Age Origins. We talked about it. I love that game. That's like I'm not as hot on Dragon Age as I am on Mass Effect. I mean, very few things in my life, I think, kind of compete or overpower Mass Effect in terms of like my affection towards that series. But I do really love Dragon Age as well. It's a really cool fantasy world. I think it's like, you know, Bioware is very unique in their skills and the games they make. And like when you get an itch for that experience, like it's cool to see that in different genres. So I played Dragon Age Origins. I've also played a lot of Inquisition, which is their most recent game. Right. Uh, that game came out in 2014. And, which people uh, seem to like. Oh, yeah. Inquisition did really well. I mean, that was like several Game of the Year awards in 2014. Yeah. I think there's definitely a division amongst fans. Whereas like Mass Effect is a trilogy in the truest sense of the word that like you are Shepard from 1, 2, and 3 and it tells a complete story. The Dragon Age trilogy is more just because there are only three games currently. <laughs> so it's like right. the, the vibe you get from origins the vibe you get from two and the vibe you get from inquisition are all very different so i yeah. think that like in the dragon age fandom there are definitely people that are more into inquisition and people that are more into origins and i can kind of get both takes i feel <laughs> like <laughs> just maybe a great lead up to, to two <laughs> to two which apparently no one liked no one until like the last five years <laughs> yeah so two like and, and again, I know I'm going all over the place, but I'm I'm having apple cider with whiskey and it's my episode, okay? Which I'm also drinking now, by the way. You, you've, con- you've convinced <laughs> oh, yeah, me. It's, it's fall. I have the window open. And this drink is pure orange in like a natural way. I love it. 
But yeah, Dragon Age 2 was like the one that was always written off. It came out in 2011, a year after Mass Effect 2. And the thing about Dragon Age 2 is that it's very, very clearly trying to be like Mass Effect. Mm. So in Origins, you could be an elf, a human, or a dwarf. You could like customize your character in that way. You know, still very classic D&D tropes, but like you could make your character and then play them however you want. In 2, you have to be Hawk, who is like... The <laughs> fantasy commander Shepard. Oh my god. Um, and you choose their, you have to be a human as well. So Hawk has to be a human uh-huh. and you choose their class and, and their gender and you customize their appearance. And then when you get to play in the game, like there's a similar dialogue wheel. And it's also worth noting, like in Origins, your protagonist wasn't voice acted, which I do think allows for greater dialogue options because you don't have to record all of that. So like right. you kind of had this sort of freedom of like almost like a Fallout New Vegas style dialogue system with the main character, at least. Mm-hmm. I don't mind them voicing the character, but you fall into the problems that Fallout 4 had where like all of a sudden this series that is known for role playing really truncated that into like, yes, you know, are you mean? Are you nice? Or are you asking for more money? Um, (laughs) And in this case, in Dragon Age 2, it's are you mean? Are you nice? Are you cracking a joke? Like those are your options. Okay. Which like (laughs) Paragon Renegade or the Joker. Yeah, right. So this is the one that was written off. I had had actually started playing it like briefly on my own and like really did not like the beginning so much that I like stopped playing. Yeah. Like when it came out? Like originally? No, I I didn't play when it came out. Oh, okay. I played like recently on on Game Pass Mm -hmm. on EA Play and like this was sort of put off by it. But I've been very active in the Mass Effect uh, Discord channel, uh, and it's sort of become the Bioware channel. A lot of people have been sharing their thoughts on, like, the Mass Effect series and the Dragon Age series. And, like, a lot of my friends who are big fans of both have all kind of been, like, two's not that bad. Like, it has its problems, but it's definitely worth playing if you're a fan. Hmm. So, like, I was a little bit cautious because I did try to play Andromeda, which is, like, the Mass Effect version of Dragon Age 2, and, like, Mm -hmm. personally just did not like it at all. I know there are people who do. I don't want to rain in your parade. That game has had enough discredit against it i'm not gonna add my voice to that but i really bounced off that game pretty hard so i was like i don't know if my heart is ready to like give another chance to like the weird member of a bioware trilogy yeah but i started playing dragon age 2 and uh i really like it actually i'm having a great time with it oh good Uh, yeah so like i think i'm already like 20 hours in like that level okay (laughs) yeah i'm like enjoying it quite a bit sure Um, so there are definitely some caveats the beginning is absolutely bizarre like the framing device is uh varic who inquisition fans will know the dwarf with the varic is like the closest dragon age gets to getting a garris i feel where he's Mm. like just the cool suave friend yeah but uh he's also a novelist great great character (laughs) i love eric but the game's framing device is Cassandra is interrogating Varric, almost kind of like Persona 5 where Joker's like in the interrogation room with, with Sai. Right. And he's telling the whole story. It's basically that. So Cassandra's like, what happened? Tell me everything. And Varric is like explaining the story and that goes into the action. Mm-hmm. But what's so funny is like the beginning is really weird. Like you choose a hawk. You're not able to customize their appearance. The gameplay initially feels really bizarre because it plays just like Origins, but it requires you to mash a so like at this point in time it just feels like a gross version of origins combat where it's like why do i have to keep pushing a yeah so that was really bizarre and then at some point in that intro cassandra just goes 
bullshit. Like Jack Garland. Like she just goes <laughs> bullshit. You're lying. And Varric's, oh yeah, you're right. Here's actually how it began. And then the game gets fun. Like it gives you like a purposely bad intro. Really? That's just Varric telling the wrong story. Okay. Um, well then it then it cuts to the actual story and you get to like customize how your hawk looks. Um it's really? still kind of a <laughs> That's bizarre. How long? Wait, how long is that intro bit? It's like five minutes. Oh, okay. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought there was a full like two hours of just no, bullshit. No, no, no. It's 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 like five minutes or less, but it's okay. still like kind of jarring. Yeah. But that that intro, so it, it is like it's still weird. Yeah. It is still weird. And the beginning is Hawk and their family like escaping the blight. It seems to be happening like around the same time as certain events in Origins. So like, mm, okay, you know, they're escaping the blight. They're from a town that like gets destroyed very early on in Dragon Age Origins. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like pretty weird because like, you know, you're thrust into this situation. But like I I just felt a little off in, in that like beginning escape sequence. But then you eventually get to the city called Kirkwall where most of the game takes place. Like once you get to Kirkwall the game actually starts to like solidify a bit more and you get a better sense of what it is. So essentially the game is like, you are Hawk, you are a refugee from Ferelden going to this place called Kirkwall. And when you initially get there, your family fortune has been sold and your like sketchy uncle basically gets you into the city by being an indentured servant. So mm. like the opening act is like you having to sort of like appease sort of like the underworld of Kirkwall and you like slowly acquire new party members and that's where it feels more like Dragon Age. Okay, now I know what this game is about. And like yeah. now I know like what the flow of it is. And I've realized what's really important for me about a Bioware game in general, whether it's Dragon Age or Mass Effect, is like the home base. That return to home is always the best part. So like in Mass Effect, that's your ship. In Origins, that's the campfire area. Yeah. And in Inquisition, you have like a whole base. But in two, like you don't get that until you get to Kirkwall. And even then, Kirkwall is like the whole game. So like they're only like eventually you have like a place to call your own in the city uh, mm-hmm. that I won't spoil. But uh, yeah, so I, I can see why this game was met with such hostility from the fan base, because like it's clearly trying to do what Mass Effect is doing. And by doing that, it is veering away from what Origins did so well, which is the role playing. Like I like playing as my hawk i like the way she acts like i like how i've made her character Mm. but the dialogue system you know being mean nice or telling a joke is like (laughs) a little bit jarring sometimes because the voice actor also really changes the inflection so they'll be like oh great another day slaying dragons and then like you need to give me what you have you know like like, it's like a different character yeah so like i i think i'm trying to flow between the three options to like just be like case by case. And it mostly works, but it really just drills the point home, like how successful Commander Shepard was at that. Right. And right. how Hawk is like, not really. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I think this game, like I've heard that it pays off to have Hawk, like have their, you know, family story going on and everything. But I still think you could have like had more agency over Hawk and it wouldn't have really lost much. Mm. But what's really cool though, is that there's a system where whenever you do actions, you know, as the game progresses, you gain friendship or rivalry points with all the different party members. Good. And that will change how the scenes with them play out. And also it changes what abilities they get, which yeah. I really like. When did this come out in relation to Mass Effect? This is a year after two. So this is like right okay, yeah. after Yeah, I was going to say, because that, that sounds to me like they 
revisited what they tried to do with Mass Effect 1, where you could sway your party one way or the other between Paragon and Renegade. It sounds like they kind of revisited that and refined it a little bit because that was that was my one. We talked about this, obviously, on that bonus, but that was like my one thing about that trilogy that I really wish stuck around. But like the amount of work that would be required to make that work throughout an entire trilogy nonsense they shouldn't have done it i a piece of me is like oh but what if but like i fully acknowledge that would have been like so much voice acting so much writing like so much work and it's kind of cool to hear that they were like okay well we have this one isolated game let's revisit that and make that work out yeah and i think that's kind of what i'm enjoying about too is that it's a very it's a pretty focused game for as aimless as it can feel sometimes i think and that's the other thing too is like origins is a very clear framing device the blight's on its way Mm -hmm. we gotta get all the alliances together to fight the blight go that's it and then like you kind of get a bird's eye view of Ferelden because you have to go to the mages tower you have to go to the dalish camp denarum like you go to all these settings and you get a flavor of like what it's like there right and inquisition is pretty similar i mean i you know it's it's a different plot but like you do get a very like large scope of the world whereas two is just this big city the whole time and there are areas outside of it but like you know as you look at the world map it's like Kirkwall and whatever is immediately outside and then the Kirkwall at night or during the day. Mm. So it does help to play this in the Series S because the loading times are so quickly. Like I imagine oh, yeah. going around Kirkwall with like that screen would be a lot on the 360. <laughs> but I am enjoying the sort again, it kind of weirdly connects to Final Fantasy 1 in the sense of like it is very much a D&D adventure where like like a lot of D&D campaigns feel in the beginning hours where like it's not quite clear how people know each other yet or like what you're supposed to be doing. Like Mm. the game, whether or not intentionally or not feels like that. And I, I enjoy that aspect of it. And I'm far enough now that I'm sort of in like the second act of the story. And like, I've kind of forged a place in Kirkwall for my Hawk and for my allies. And like, I'm enjoying that personal stakes, like that, that personal investment in it. I think that like by focusing on one city and one like character in their immediate group so like strongly and consistently i do get kind of like a micro view of a bigger world which i think like might not be the direction you want the series to go in but now that it exists between two games that are doing the opposite i think it's an interesting change up Mm -hmm. that being said like the writing is good but the dialogue is a bit more hit or miss it feels a little bit like they know what works in a bioware game so they kind of force those moments sometimes and because the game is not as like linear in structure it could be kind of jarring to go from like a really horrific scene to like the mage talking about his cats or pounce a lot and it's like (laughs) you know like it's a little strange but honestly again like as seasonal depression rears its head and like as that bioware itch arrives in the back of my head it's really nice and fun to get like a new story in the world yeah and if you're a fan of dragon age and if you've written off to like I had based on what I heard it's definitely worth checking out there's enough here that if you're a big fan of the lore like you're going to get a lot of cool like content Um, there's some great characters there's a character named Meryl who is like a really meek but lovable elf who's secretly a blood mage well not even secretly like right away she's like oh yeah I talked to demons and it's like I love that dynamic so it has like it's definitely hitting where you want a dragon age like to do well like it's okay fun companions like cool setting interesting lore 
it definitely falls on its face in certain areas. And the big thing too, which was a big critique at the time was that like you revisit a lot of areas and it feels like I, I, I can't imagine the game didn't have a Rocky production. So like you can tell where like corners were cut and like, okay, you go back here mm-hmm. and there are more enemies. And like a lot of the fights feel like a little bit overstuffed with like just quantity of enemies over making an interesting fight. But yeah. I'm playing this game on casual because like I'm not there for the combat in any way. I like being a <laughs> badass in this world. So like, it's definitely fun to just be back in the world of Dragon Age and to like see new characters and have a new story. So yeah, if you have Game Pass and you haven't played it, I would absolutely recommend it to a fan of the series. But I would highly recommend starting with Origins or Inquisition first. Mm. I, don't, I don't think you should like play in order or start with two. There are some people who, who like two the most. More power to you. That's a hot take. But I, I think was just that, about like, to say, honestly, like having played a bunch of Origins and Inquisition, um, weirdly enough, two sounds closer to what I would want out of a game it might like be. that. There, the thing is, like, there are ideas here that are like conceptually would be my favorite Dragon Age. You mm. know, I think that like with a bit of a tighter execution, I think this could have been the best one because like. I like that sort of more personal investment. Like I like the idea of like focusing on one place for a long time. Yeah. But in practice, you know, it it kind of stumbles. And I think the big thing is like trying to make it more like Mass Effect, I think actually kind of defeats the power that Dragon Age has. Mm. You know, it's Mm. like, I don't need a Commander Shepard in this. Like I I, want to be whoever I want to be, you know? And and I don't know, like again, like I like my Hawk, but it just like, it's just funny how, you know, it's like, oh, like you even see it's like an olive branch, like devil horns or like a theater mask. Like I almost <laughs> always go theater mask. Cause yeah. Like, but to me, uh, just like on my end, that that sounds closer to what I think I would want out of a game like that. Because yeah. my, my issue, as much as I appreciate a lot of what I've played in Dragon Quest. Uh, sorry, Dragon Quest, of course. It's always on the yeah, mind. I do that uh, all the time. Yeah. As much as I appreciate what I've played in Dragon Age, I find the like full role-playing side of it like create a character everything you can and do is is important um and and will play into the story and will play into um how your character is built and things like that like that almost is a little bit too stressful for me at times to be like fully on and fully thinking about the role-playing side of it whereas crafting a more shepherd-esque character in that world i think would be a much more low-key way of getting me into uh w- what's going on there because i don't feel like i've had the dragon age experience that you have always described and even when i have like played hours of those games and i get like glimpses of it there are still moments where i'm like i don't know who i am or what my character is because even going back to Dra- dragon age origins our first conversation about it that we had when i started playing it was like i tried so fucking desperately to not be the gray warden <laughs> like, <laughs> as soon as they were like okay you need to drink this like weird nectarine and like maybe die and like the guy who does who drinks it before you dies in front of you i was like oh i'm so excited for there to be a dialogue option that lets me not drink the stuff and then i pressed it and they were like no no no, you're gonna drink it anyway i was like okay well (laughs) maybe maybe not so it is worth noting though that in inquisition your character is also voice acted but i think inquisition struck a much better balance of like having you know that that voice to your character but also allowing you to be whoever yes i think it's because inquisition as the title would suggest, is largely about being the Inquisitor. So eventually you're like the judge 
of all these different cases and they get more and more complicated. And it really is like, you know, it's the best execution of like so-and-so approves or disapproves. Cause mm-hmm. like that whole game is choices. And I think that it helps to find the character more than like the sort of forced importance of Hawk in some ways. Yeah. But it is, I, I think that's a good point. I think that if, if role-playing, if those like, f- if that freedom is stressful, I think that you actually might like to an inquisition more. That's what's interesting about the freedom specifically though. And, that, yeah. and that's, I think where where I start to uh, chafe against it a bit is like look at something like Oblivion or Skyrim right which is like literally ultimate like the most free possible and that's because there are no consequences for anything you do like any anything yes. you do in Skyrim is valid anything you do in Oblivion is valid the thing about Inquisition and Origins at least in my experience is like you can feel like you made a wrong move like you as, oh, yeah. as you mentioned before like if you set up your character and Origins wrong like that actually just could be it for you and and that that I think is one of the things that's speaking to me a little bit more about too. I'm probably going to download it now. I think you've convinced you should. me to check it out. I think I think you'll really enjoy it. I definitely think you got to get past that beginning. Yeah. But once you get to Kirkwall, it really starts going. And I think it's got a pretty good cast. Like there are some that I like more than others, but like Varric is introduced in this game. Incredible character. Cassandra by extension, like she's not in the cast, but she's like in the narrated moments. Yeah. And like she's a fantastic character in Inquisition. So like there's a lot to love. I think it definitely gets unfairly criticized, but I understand why it's like the one that doesn't get the same love as Inquisition and Origins, where Inquisition to me uh, is like the series really finding its voice and finding that light, that sweet spot between Origins and uh, Mass Effect. And also there's something like Origins and 2 have this like pseudo edgy persona where like everyone's covered in blood and like that just doesn't fit with the rest of the game and yeah. they like drop it in inquisition and it's so much better off for it yes. to, like drop that like supermarket novel vibe you know where it's like the, <laughs> the, the abs on the cover or whatever yeah. it's like you know I, there's a place for that kind of campiness but it doesn't mesh with what the rest of the game is doing but uh i think where inquisition fell short is that there was a forced open world aspect to it that like really hurt the sense of progression. And there were so many quests you could get that a lot of them were just generic fetch quests that you would write off. But a lot of them were secretly the entry point into really interesting quests. And there's no way to know that. So like that was actually my big issue with Inquisition. So like origins, I ended up bailing from at a certain point. I might return to it at some point, but like, I don't know. But like I I started I I started kind of veering off because that pressure of role playing was like, I don't know if I I want this. Inquisition was more because of the mechanical setup of the game. I I found I found playing through uh, that game in a world as open as it was with, as you said, that many quests was like on. On top of the role playing stress, I'm now stressed about just like quest management, which was not at all what I wanted to be doing. Um, yeah. So yeah. honestly, two might be your favorite. That's then. what I'm saying. It, I the yeah. more you talk about two, the more I'm like this. It actually just seems like they got it all right in two. <laughs> and I've just heard it was bad my whole life. And uh, may, maybe secretly is my fave. Yeah, I, I think it's like if I didn't hear it was bad, I don't think I would really feel that as strongly. Mm, like I, yeah. I do think like I'm really trying to put myself in the shoes of like Origins has come out. It's a hit. You're waiting for the sequel. And then it's something like wildly different. I yeah. get that like repulsion. But I think at this point in time, like it's a, it's a very solid game. You know, like I think it's really worth checking out if you're a fan of the series at all. Yeah. Wow. Dragon Age 2. Hawk. I can't believe their name is Hawk. I love that. Yeah. They're they're pretty cool. Honestly, my Hawk is very cool. So yeah. I don't mind the like the sort of uh self-insert fan fiction vibe of it all. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm good at everything and everyone loves me. Yeah. 
Do you want to take a break and come back and talk about even more stuff? Oh, there's even more Hawk. Yeah, I'm done. We can talk about more Hawk when we come back. My Hawk is cool. She has white hair and she's a rogue. I oh, had to nice. go all out. You yeah, know? yeah. Very good. There's another asshole in my party who has white hair and is trying to be like tough and edgy. I'm like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Only room fingers. for one of us here. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here, dude. Don't cosplay as me in front of me. Get out. <laughs> Report back. I'd love to hear what you think of it once you get further in. Further cool. in than not playing it and not having it downloaded. <laughs> I can I can report back. Let me know how you download it. <laughs> I just want to hear what percentage you're at. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. So we, we said that this episode was the Steven special, but AJ, can you play like a cute little tune? Here's my here's my little segment. Here's my little bit. I'm going to sneak in here. I have some I have some stuff to talk about, too, Stephen. Uh, look, there, there are a couple of things I want to talk about. Two things I want to shout out real quick. Two services yeah. that I, I have gotten very into in the past week. One of them is just wonderful. I, I don't know if you have this already or not, but I, I want I specifically want you to know about it. But there's an app. I think it's on iOS and Android. It's called Switch Buddy. Do you know about it? No. What is it? OK, so you know how they changed the way you download uh screenshots on the switch to your phone where you have to like scan a qr code and then it connects you to like the weird switch wi-fi and then you have to scan another qr code and then it downloads the images etc etc i just have a secret twitter account that i use instead oh you just tweet them out yeah i used to do that and then they then they did this thing where they're like oh yeah you just scan a qr code and then it works i was like that sounds great and every time i try and do it it fucking fails it's just (laughs) terrible i found this app it's called switch buddy it is so so good. Um, I'll, I'll try and link to it in the show notes if I remember. But essentially the way it works is you just scan the first QR code and then Switch Buddy just handles everything. It doesn't you don't even mm. need to scan the second QR code. It's just like we're connected here, are all the images and it just downloads directly into your camera roll on your phone. That's it amazing. Very, it is very good. I think it's free, if I recall correctly. It's wonderful. Switch Buddy. I'm a big fan. You can also change the app icon and the colors to match uh, what switch you have. I have it uh, matched to my Animal Crossing switch. It's very nice. It's a good app. I have the Splatoon Joy-Con, so it's like... Yeah, there's a, there's a Splatoon theme that you can switch to. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's good. Switch Buddy. Another thing I want to talk about. It's funny that we mentioned Letterboxd earlier, but I've been long discussion in the discord recently about this yeah uh, if you if you if you were in the discord you know about this but um i've been long looking for a video game version of letterbox letterbox is a, a social network just for people who watch movies a lot essentially so you can log all the movies you're watching you can like set up a watch list of like things that you want to check out you can rate and review stuff like say i watched it here on this date or like i rewatched it here on this date and here's how my thoughts have changed since it's really wonderful uh big yeah, fan big fan of letterboxd i and i have just like wanted something like that or goodreads for example for books for video games for a long time and there are a lot of companies trying to do it there are a lot of groups of people like trying to make a letterbox for video games i just wanted to shout out the one that i have landed on which is called backlogged b a c k l o g g d and they don't have an app yet but uh, I just added it to my home screen like as, you know, like I just bookmarked it and then added it to my home screen. But it is like very much exactly what I wanted. It is very much just like letterbox for video games. It, it almost like kind of looks similar. They have some features specifically that are like very video game adjacent. Like you can, you know, sort stuff by console, uh, things like that, which is you know very helpful. So I have been tracking stuff in there. The reason I wanted to shout this out specifically is I now have a list of like here are all the games that we talked about throughout all of. 2021 that I'm thinking about like potentially putting in a goatee list that I will continue to update as we continue to like do goatee episodes and things like that. I will make lists in backlog uh, so you can check that out. 
I'm currently working on one which should be done by the time this episode's out, so I'll put it in the show notes, and I'll also put it in the previous show notes that has all the games we talked about for the Game Boy Advance bonus, because oh, a, cool. a lot of people asked for that. Um, yeah. So I'll go retroactively add that to that episode description, and I'll probably also add it here. But generally speaking, if you go to my profile on Backlogged, all of that stuff will be there, because people have asked for that in the past, and like that was one of the reasons I wanted something like this outside of just like you and I play so much stuff. It would be nice to be able to track it. Yeah. It's nice to have on a personal level for sure. Yeah, totally. And I'm a person, as we've talked about, who like obsessively makes playlists for music and things like that. So like this is so up my alley and I'm glad to have found one because I've tried so many over the past like couple of years, especially since we started doing the show. So it's backlogged. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Just want to shout out those two services real quick. That's so cool. Do you think you're going to do that for past Goatee episodes as well? Just to have like a back like a I'd like to. I lost some of yeah. my notes. I just realized recently because my I had to re uh, I had to like wipe my computer and uh, started from scratch again r- recently due to some weird errors, which was unfortunate. And I lost some of my previous Goaty notes, which I'm upset about. So I, I'll, I'll probably like go maybe like skim through the episodes and stuff and see if I can find stuff. Yeah, I think I have at least up and I have 2019 till now. Yeah. So the only one you would have to listen to is 2018, but 2018. I think I remember it. At okay. least on my end, so. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. It'll all be there. That's my plan. Cool. To get it all up on backlogged. So Octopath Traveler was number eight, baby. It was number eight. Yeah. 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 It was um, Octo. So all, all, you know, that stuff. Cool. Very good. Here's, here's kind of the bigger thing that I want to talk about. So recently, uh, as, as of a couple days ago, we had our Animal Crossing specific Nintendo Direct yeah. where they announced the big new update for New Horizons, uh, along with like way more stuff, I think. So like, as we mentioned, I think on the previous episode, like hesitant about that experience, you know, like my thought was like, we're going to get the cafe added because they teased it, but like maybe that'll be it. And then like larger update to come or something like that. My thought was that they were working on uh, a, a very, very, very big additional content pack for that game. And I didn't think we were going to get it anytime soon. As I've also mentioned, they did that for New Leaf on the 3DS. I think two years after the game came out, they released a, a thing called Welcome Amiibo, which added just like so much to that game just like really made it endless uh, and that was a huge free update for that game and I think that's what a lot of people have been comparing New Horizons against ever since New Horizons came out was like the finished two years after the fact plus Welcome Amiibo version of New Leaf which like very hard standard to match that game yeah yeah but that having been said what they ended up announcing was like far and away everything I could have asked for and more I uh, totally agree yeah I think like the free update Basically, like, because I, I was also like, I was like cautiously optimistic, but I was like, look, I, I expected it to be something where I go back to check out whatever the new thing is and then drop it again. Yeah. And they've added enough stuff where like the, the ironic thing is that like there was stuff they added indirectly in that presentation that I'm very excited about. Like, There's new villagers that didn't yeah. even stop to say yeah. so there's new villagers. There's obviously like new furniture and all that. But I think there's some subtle additions that to me already kind of like because I when we talked about that game a lot in 2020, one of my favorite things is like finding an item that inspired a whole idea or mm-hmm. a whole plan and them just being like. You can now navigate narrow spaces and leave ladders on cliffs. Yeah. For whatever reason, that alone, like that already like kind of opens up so many doors for design ideas. Totally. And like also the the fact that villagers can invite you over or show up. Like I imagine that just will come with a new dialogue. I'm just excited. Like I don't think it's ever going to be the binge it was at the at the beginning of the pandemic for a lot of people. Right. But what I want it to be is something I check in every couple weeks, you know, and that's yeah. that's what it's now built to be is like. 
The same way I play like Mario Kart, where it's like, hey, do you want to like play a few cups tonight? Or like, do you want to visit my island? Like, I would love to visit someone's island again. Like, it's weirdly nostalgic, even though it was like six months ago. Yeah. So I think that's great. And then I'm sure we'll get into the, the paid DLC. But my my elevator pitch for the paid DLC is that it's a new game. Like it's a it's an entirely yeah. new It's Happy Home Designer, which was like yeah. a spin-off that they made for the 3DS. They just like yeah. essentially made Happy Home Designer again in Animal Crossing New Horizons and you can pay I think it's 25 bucks to get it added on. And yeah, it is like everything that was in Happy Home Designer and then some. I think they they've added even more stuff like what was it you could build like schools and restaurants and things like that. Like really cool shit. Like really cool. I I think it's going to be really fantastic. I am so happy about this update. It really like like it turns New Horizons into the game that I had always hoped it would become with like subsequent content updates. It is weird that there was like one year of events and then like a huge break and now this. But I mean, it's cool that we're getting it. I had always hoped that we would. And here it is. And it's going to be free, which is amazing. And it comes like really soon. So expect a live in a little segment sometime soon. Uh, I'm excited that the cafe is back. I One of the like really wonderful things that I was kind of surprised by is uh, they've made Harv's Island less weird uh, and more useful. <laughs> They're doing it. It's thing. more Woodstock, less hereditary. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which is which is kind of why they added Harv to New Leaf in the first place was they added this section that was like an RV camp where people would just like come and hang out for a bit. And you could like go meet new villagers that didn't live in your town, things like that. It was really cool. It was a really cool idea. And what they've done with Harv's Island is now when you take the boat over there, the vendors who show up in your town square every once in a while, like maybe like every couple days or like once a week or less are now like just hanging out at Harv's Island. And as you continue to invest resources into Harv's Island, more and more of those vendors will set up permanent shops there. So at any point, you can just go check that stuff out. And that is great. You know, like that, that's a thing like to take something that was essentially built initially as a way for uh, like gamer retention, I guess, in a way to like get people to come back and like see who was in the town square every week to say like, if you invest enough in doing that, you will get the reward of not having that like FOMO anymore is actually really interesting. I think it's a really interesting path to give the player. I'm sure I'm sure that there are going to be people who will unlock everything in the first two weeks and be like, this wasn't enough. But trust me, it's it's enough like this. This is the thing that I think will make New Horizons like the best Animal Crossing game bar none. I'm very happy as a big Animal Crossing fan. This is like everything I could have wanted. And then some Um, that's exciting. One of the interesting things from that announcement is that so there's that DLC that like Happy Home Designer adjacent DLC. I forget what it's called, but, you know, it's a it's a paid DLC thing. Uh, Bloodborne. It's called it's called Bloodborne 2. Yeah. uh, Remastered by Bluepoint Studios. Um, Anyway, that is being released as like DLC that you can just buy and you can just have or they finally announced the pricing and release date for the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack, which, as we oh, talked yeah. about last week or two weeks ago or whenever that was, adds the N64 and Sega Genesis games. They've, add, you know, they've more than doubled the price of how much that costs per year, which is wild. But if you pay for that expansion pack, you also get the DLC for Animal Crossing, which I think is very interesting. And, and, and there are a lot of different ways that this conversation can go. And there are a lot of different takes on the Internet about this. One of the things that I find most interesting is like, is this going to be how Nintendo does DLC going forward? Like, do you pay for this expansion pack for Nintendo Switch Online? And eventually when Splatoon 3 comes out and they add, you know, whatever their Octo expansion is, will that be included in the expansion pack thing that you got for Nintendo Online? Like, is that how they're going to deliver DLC from now on? Will they retroactively go back and say, like, if you have Breath of the Wild, we're just giving you the expansions because you pay for this? Like, it kind of creates this 
potential foundation for, you know, like live service updates where like you pay this fee monthly, but you get all this DLC for all the first party Nintendo stuff. That's like a very generous and nice idea. I don't know if that's what Nintendo's going to do. They've said There's nothing. There's like a 75% chance that it's just this. Yes. Like, you know, I it's agree. like like to to kind of uh, incentivize getting the expansion pack now, it's including it because it's around the same time. But right. will not be something that happens again. <laughs> yeah, which is which is more likely what will happen. Yeah, and I, I talked about this on Twitter a little bit and in the Discord and things like that. But like my thing with the price increase is I, I I just I feel like without more communication about what's to come, this is not a very enticing deal. I'm still gonna do it because I am on a very large family plan with a bunch of friends who like all want the DLC for Animal Crossing and some people who I like really want to play Mario Kart 64 online with things like that. But without knowing like, hey, all Nintendo needed to do really was be like every month we're going to add one game to each of the consoles on on Nintendo Switch online. And I would have been like, cool, I have an expectation of what I'm getting for my monthly fee. But as of right now, I'm just getting like kind of like beefed up emulators for things that I could play elsewhere, which kind of gets me into the larger thing I wanted to talk about, which is I I was listening to the Next Lander podcast recently. Next Lander, it's a bunch of guys who used to be on Giant Bomb and started their own thing. I would recommend it. It's very good. They've been in the industry a long time. They have good takes on things. But they were talking about the recent controversy about the Metroid Dread emulation thing. The fact that Kotaku and PC Gamer and a couple outlets wrote articles saying like the day Metroid Dread came out, uh, there's a Nintendo Switch emulator called Yuzu that's been around forever at this point, like as long as the Switch has been around, as far as I know, that was playing Metroid Dread at 4K better than the Nintendo Switch could at 720p and 1080p. Um, Like there is a better experience that exists via emulation and piracy on the internet than if you bought this stuff from Nintendo straight up. And Nextlander's crew like put it in a way that I hadn't really thought about, which is like Nintendo is now competing against itself in a way like Nintendo, like Nintendo used to have this situation where like they would release a thing. You could only play it on their consoles and like it was the best that you were going to get. But now we're in this strange place where like Nintendo is competing with something like there is a better way to play Metroid Dread than the official way at launch day. Like that's a really interesting and like kind of problematic thing for Nintendo to have to deal with. And I don't really know how they do it. Obviously, like they're going to get lawyers and like go after people. Like, of course, they're going to do that stuff. Like that doesn't make, you know, they're not going to be like, yeah, piracy is cool. We love this competition. Like that's not going to be their take at all. Yeah. But what I find more interesting is like, first of all, Nintendo like will eventually shut down the Nintendo Switch online service. Like eventually the Nintendo Switch will no longer be supported. And I do think from the perspective of reporting on emulation for the Switch, it is actually nice to know that that stuff is being backed up and already runs in a way where like all of that game history will be preserved in 20 years when the Nintendo Switch is like hard to find and you can't buy those games and there's no way to do it. Like that's good. I actually I like I think that that's good. Yeah. I've recently ran into that with the 3DS as well, where I realized, and I haven't done this personally, just to be clear, I'm not going to be like, hi, hi, I'm a pirate. But like, (laughs) I I recently realized that there is a team of people on the internet who have been backing up 3DS games because they're convinced, and it's already started happening in some countries, but they're convinced that the the 3DS will stop being supported and you won't be able to buy games on the eShop on the 3DS anymore, which will of course mean that all those cartridges go like through the roof price-wise. People will be priced out of playing like what is game history and Nintendo history, which as we've talked about on the show a lot, like they are so reticent to support in any way, yeah, shape or form. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, the way it works is you download, you have to hack your 3DS, which is very easy just to be clear. But the way it works is you, you download this one app and you just scan a QR code on the internet and it just downloads a 3DS game, which is like horrifying for Nintendo right now, who again, like don't want piracy and the eShop is open and like you shouldn't be <laughs> fucking doing that. But 
it's nice to know that in like three years when they're like the eShop doesn't exist anymore, there is like a very user friendly way to play that catalog in a way that doesn't involve you like scouring eBay for $500 versions of new Super Mario <laughs> Brothers 2, you know? Yeah. Which that's is like I got Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Yes, exa- exactly. Yeah. And that's like the nightmare scenario in a way is like, I can't believe I have to deal with that. And it's nice to know that that is backed up in a way. All of that leads me to this expansion pack, which is like, Nintendo has proven time and time again that they're like not very interested in maintaining their backlog. They're very much taking a Disney vault approach where like every once in a while they're like, you can have Ocarina of Time, maybe, wink. Yeah. You know, uh, eventually you'll be able to play Majora's Mask, but who knows when? Like that's been their take forever. And that's what Nintendo is competing against right now. And they're they're asking at the moment $60 a year to access some N64 games, but they're competing against emulators that can run on literally everything like emulation is for like the n64 and the game boy color and the game boy and the advance and nintendo entertainment system and snes like that stuff has been in development forever and ever and ever and creates like really wonderful experiences in places that are like easily accessible to pretty much everyone across the globe in places where like you can't go buy a cartridge you can't go find a used game boy advance There's no way to access that stuff. That's what emulation like exists for. It's for preserving that kind of history. And that's what Nintendo is like charging a shitload of money for monthly is like a very, very, very watered down version of the thing that is freely available. And it kind of gets back to like that age of when like Game of Thrones, for example, was the most pirated show on the Internet was like because HBO was exorbitantly expensive until they finally got their shit together and released something like HBO Max, which is like cheaper and easier than going onto like some sketchy website and trying to fucking download Game of Thrones. Like it made the show accessible to a lot of people who couldn't access it and made it easier than piracy. And I'm wondering how this Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack is going to go. I haven't really landed on my thought on it yet. Like, again, I'm probably just going to get it, but I don't really know where I'm at on it. And I'm interested to see how like the Internet at large reacts to paying that much for something that they can get very easily elsewhere. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think we're on the same page in terms of like, if Nintendo's not going to back up their own history, then it's up to other people to do so. And yeah. it's good that it's in an easy way. I originally thought that it was like, here's the list of N64 games. And then they're like, if you get the expansion pack, here's what's coming up next. So I thought that that was their incentive for like, eventually, if you pay for this expansion pack, we will drip feed you with these extra N64 games, but we're not going to tell you when. And we're not going to tell you if there are any more outside of these (laughs) ones that we're announcing right now. Yeah. I mean, it is like $5 a month. So like, it's not terrible. Yeah, it's not that expensive. Yeah. Um, I think I think they should really lead with that instead of the 60 for a year. Yeah, it's it's wild that they're like the expansion pack for your family is going from $20 a year to $80 a year. Right. Maybe break it down by month man (laughs) like that's but again i think the lack of the plan is really the issue it's like i would gladly pay that if it was a supported service but not if it's like here's eight games are you happy yeah you know which is kind of how i feel and as i talked about when they first announced it like and and we've talked about this in the discord with a bunch of people and stuff like it's not just an n64 emulator running on the switch right like they're doing a lot of work to add save states and to add a rewind feature and to add the ability to play this stuff online like that's all development work that's all stuff that like you should pay for i i feel yeah, that's like totally. server infrastructure and things like that like the the uh, ability for you and i to play this stuff online together at launch on the switch is going to be sick but that said like there are free emulators that exist elsewhere that would allow us to have a similar experience it's just like more work involved and and the idea here is like 
Nintendo needs to compete against that, and they're doing so by making it a monthly cost that I think will be significantly easier for most people than figuring out how to download an emulator and get it to connect to the internet so you and I can play, again, Mario Kart 64 <laughs> via our like, yeah. Mac Mini. Right. My, my big thing is that it's wanted to be a supported service. Yeah. And we'll see if that's the case. Right. So, Which, again, yeah. like gets back to what I was saying before. Like It comes down to communication. Like It just comes down to me yeah. like wondering... Like most people, you know, is this all we're going to get from Nintendo? Like, is this it? Like, even if they said, hey, you get this happy home designer DLC for Animal Crossing when you back this. And also in the future, we may add more DLC for first party Nintendo games. Like even that by itself, even that like we might do this is better than just the big open question, you know, and it's just one of those situations where a company is known for secrecy as Nintendo is kind of shoots themselves in the foot by being that way, you know, like. These are the situations in which you do need to communicate openly because now you're not just providing a game to a consumer. You're providing a service that needs to be like expanded upon and continued and updated and like supported, as you keep saying, like you need to communicate with customers about things like that. Um, and that and that's where like this whole thing is kind of rubbing me the wrong way is like, I just don't know what I'm getting. Like I have an idea of what I'm getting like day one, but this is a monthly service that they want me to pay forever. Like, that's the th- thing. Yeah, it's it's being marketed as if it's a one time purchase, but it's a monthly subscription. Yes. And we don't know what the subscription is for yet. Right. Other than here's a, a couple things right and at like, the start. Yeah. You know, I'm very lucky that I am literally next to a drawer full of N64 cartridges. <laughs> I am I am not the the common experience here. You know, like, yeah. and even then, like to plug this old N64 into the TV, like is it's a weird it's like not an ideal way to play it, even still. Right. You know, because like it's more cumbersome than the switch, which is already plugged in. Right. And like TVs are starting to like make it harder to play older stuff stuff like that yeah so we'll see what happens yeah i i'm i'm very interested to see what the next like year of nintendo switch online looks like like i think in the next six months we're gonna get the stuff that they've announced the extra stuff that they've announced you know so it's like majora's mask and banjo kazooie and those like extra games that they announced but after that is this like big open question and eventually again as i mentioned like long 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 term eventually there will be an article somewhere that will be like Nintendo is no longer updating the Nintendo Switch eShop. You will no longer be able to get things. And for that reason, I think it's great that there are things like Yuzu in development that will allow people to play that stuff um, when that's no longer possible because Nintendo will just be like, eh, we're done with this. Metroid Dread sucks now to us, <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> I hope they change their ways because like, you know, they have been better about that in the past. Yeah. Like there's no incentive for them to not support that stuff. You know? Yeah, so. with, the, with their own stuff, definitely. I've, I've seen some stuff, uh, some rumblings online about how Nintendo, uh, sorry, uh, Sega specifically was really unhappy with the sales of uh, their stuff on virtual console in the previous versions of virtual console selling that stuff individually like wasn't working out financially for sega like them licensing their stuff to nintendo to allow them to sell it on virtual console just like wasn't a good deal for them and the current rumblings are that sega got paid a shitload of money for what they're giving access to uh in in this nintendo switch online expansion pack which i guess makes it better for sega in some ways but still like for Nintendo's first party stuff, which they own, like there's no excuse to not have it on there. You yeah, know? right. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, my little segment. Thank you <laughs> for letting me rant and not have to write an article on my blog. <laughs> I enjoyed your your thoughts. I, I agree pretty much. <laughs> Thank you for your little segment. <laughs> <laughs> this baby want a treat. Ew. I do. Weird. 
Okay, should we take a break and then come back and get into spooky season? Please, I need another drink after I called you baby. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to Spooky Season 2021. Ooh. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Sure. Uh, anyway, I got a bunch of games. We've got a bunch of games this time. It's our episode now. It's not just my section anymore. <laughs> but I have played a bunch of Halloween games. I'm open with one that was actually kind of a like last minute decision, but I'm so glad I played it. It's called Speed Dating for Ghosts by Copy Chaser Games. I I think this was in the big itch bundle that came out in 2020. Mm. I remember seeing it and I remember wanting to play it because it just sounded so funny, um, but it didn't work at the time. Regardless, it's on uh, it's on the Switch. Oh, really? It's on Mac and uh, Windows. And I think it might be on mobile as well. I'm not quite sure, but I remember seeing that potentially. Either way, wherever you can play, I highly recommend. It's like less than $10. I got it on itch. And uh, it's essentially, as the title would suggest, it's a dating sim, kind of. I'll get into that. But it's structured <laughs> as a, a dating sim with ghosts. So the game is presented like from a first-person view. You go to this like surreal speed dating center for ghosts. The receptionist is this ghost with like like a crooked head and antlers, mm. which is very charming. She's like, hey, like sign up. You know, you get you get situated, and you choose which room you want to go into. Yeah, and each room is three different ghosts that like after a few lines of dialogue, they'll switch and you'll get a new one. So it's structured like a dating sim, but it kind of ends up being more like, I guess, like a visual novel experience where like there is dialogue choice. And I I imagine there's a way to like mess up. But what ends up happening is like you meet three ghosts and then you choose which ghosts you want to take on a date. And then that scene kind of just like dives deeper into whatever their story is. Mm. And I will say like the game, I think, leads comedically and is like, you know, all the ghosts are designed in very weird ways. Like they're all like very few of them are even humanoid. Like it's it reminds me a lot of tender creature comforts, which we talked about, where like it's using a familiar device to really just explore stories uh, that are focused on all these characters. I love this art. I'm looking at the art online. Oh, right the now. art's incredible. Yeah, that's that's why I got it. Oh, it's um, so good. And the music is really cool too. There's like really cool ambient music and uh, really clever writing. Like all the ghosts are written so well. And um, there's also sort of like when you go on the date, there's like narration text that kind of paints the mood. Like you only ever see like a flat color background and the ghost, mm-hmm. but it's really immersive in the way it's beautifully written and the music really helps. But what I found so striking about this game is that it's really effectively sad and dramatic. You know, like I think mm. it, it, the title suggests like an irreverent experience and it's it's very goofy, like it's very fun and it has fun with the concept. But every ghost, whether or not they're like one of the sillier designs or one of the scarier designs, they all have real stories. They all have a reason for being the way they are. Mm. And they're all grappling with the afterlife differently. There's one ghost that doesn't know they're a ghost and you have to like explain to them what's happening and for a little bit of an example the first room i went into one of the ghosts was this like lovable jock with a football on his head i'm looking at a picture of him right now actually yeah yeah 
It's and great. his whole vibe was like, I'm just making the most of Carpe Diem, you know, like, let's let's make the afterlife fun. Like, yeah, very basic. But then his date <laughs> is watching his old team play football. And it's like really bittersweet, you know, mm. and he's like, let's possess some of the players to help them out. So you end up like playing <laughs> football with them. Wow. So that was like a sillier one. There was one that I really liked that I won't spoil, but there's one ghost who haunts a nursing home, but she's a friendly ghost. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll like make sure no one feels lonely and when it's their time I'll whisper in their ear there's so much more mm. and like that line like really stuck with me yeah. like it's it's just really beautiful because what ends up happening is like every character is a different approach at the afterlife there are some like that character who are like really trying to help the living um, there are some that are treating the afterlife like it's just another chapter in their life like the jock and then there are some that are you know resisting being a ghost there's a guy named Spooky Pete who's like all about just scaring people oh yeah. And he died in the Black Plague. So he's like, I've been a ghost for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to do this. And what's great is that like, you know, in each room, there are three ghosts and you can only choose one to go on a date with. But if you go back to that room, it cuts right to the selection screen. So like you don't have to go through the same thing over again to see the other dates. You can just like go right back. Mm. And then there's a place called the graveyard where you can go and re-watch any of the dates that you've unlocked. Oh, cool. It's it's like fantastic. Like I've only seen seen three of the ghosts but I've really enjoyed each of their stories and I know like I'm pretty confident that there's more that awaits me and I imagine like the whole thing like every ghost you could probably beat it in under two hours like it's mm. it's a pretty short experience but I would really recommend it it's really I was I was expecting it to be funny and it is but I was surprised at how heartfelt and and kind of somber but reassuring it was yeah it sounds great and it looks great uh it's it looks like it's seven dollars on every platform that it's available yeah, for it's, it's kind of like a no-brainer like, i'm definitely gonna check it out uh, oh yeah there's one guy that just wants to rob a bank and that's his whole personality it's great that's great <laughs> um oh and it is available in the bundle that we got as well oh perfect so, yeah, so. if you got that itch bundle back in 2020 it's there it's yeah. waiting for you i'll probably play it you that should. sounds really great also it, one of the designers worked on um dragon age so uh what full circle yeah <laughs> amazing wow okay there's more of a cosmic connection here than i there's always how the aether works there's all yeah. every game is connected somehow <laughs> cloud atlas baby it does kind of make sense i mean i'm not sure what the role was in dragon age but it does have that like getting to know a character loop to it you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah anyway cool Speed dating for ghosts, available on multiple platforms. As we get closer to Halloween, I like how spooky season gets longer each episode. Yeah, totally. Uh, should I jump into the next one or do you want to chime in here? Let's let's briefly talk about uh, a game that we talked about last week, Metroid Dread. Oh, yeah. Uh, which you and I have both now finished. You yeah. you finished it pretty much immediately after we recorded the episode, which was pretty, yeah. pretty sick. Uh, I, I beat it a couple days ago because uh, it, it took me a long time to find the time to be able to sit down and play it. I actually, we had, we had some, um, some family staying over. Uh, at the apartment and uh, everybody went to sleep like we had like a night out and everybody went to sleep at like midnight and I was like you know what I'm getting a second wind I'm gonna fucking beat this game and I did and it felt great and that was the last thing I did before I went to sleep and I woke up so refreshed feeling great yeah that game is good that game is yeah really really good i i need to think about it a little more i actually have now since beating it have gone and started zero mission again which Mm. is funny because like you and i just played zero mission and fusion for our game boy advance episode um at the beginning of the season but i'm playing zero mission again because i have this like nagging back of my head thought that metroid dread is like the peak of the side-scrolling metroid games now and i need to kind of like place it in context with everything else so 
that's kind of my goal at the moment is to just kind of like check in with all of the other Metroid games and just see if this hunch is, is real. I don't know where you land on it. How, how are you feeling about it now that you're I mean, yeah, it? I've played less of the games than you have, but I, I, I would imagine at least mechanically it's probably the best. It just feels of like the, the 2D most, stuff. You've played pretty yeah. much everything at this point. I think the only thing you're really missing is um, Samus Returns, right? Yeah. And I haven't really played Super Metroid. That's actually oh, okay. what I want to play soon because it's on the yeah. SNES arcade. Yeah. So I want to play Super Metroid. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, of the ones I played, it's definitely the most fun to play. Yeah, I think like in terms of atmosphere or like story, I mean, it's good on those too. Like, it's it's really hard to to say. I think it's like yeah, it is such a effective game. It's so concise and so like great finale. Like, it, it's just this like perfect little eight hours. You know, it's yeah. it's uh it's really good. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the best one, at least mechanically. Yeah, I'm starting to I'm starting to feel it because it really. We talked a lot last yeah. week, or at least I, I mentioned a lot last week that I feel like it is kind of a kind of a refinement of a lot of things. You know, it's like, OK, here here's our like swan song for this storyline and this kind of Metroid game. And like maybe the next one will kind of expand upon it and try some new stuff. But honestly, now having finished the game and kind of thinking about it retroactively, I do feel like this game is doing a lot of things that I wasn't expecting. It's evolving the formula in ways that I didn't realize I wanted. And as much as I think a lot of of the conversation around it, including ours, ha- has kind of been about comparing it to other Metroidvanias that exist in the world and have existed since Metroid Fusion came out. And like, oh yeah, maybe maybe the genre has moved past just like straight up Metroid. Um, things like Hollow Knight come to mind, uh, Rogue Legacy, you know, turning it into a roguelike, things like that. Yeah, or um, yeah, I do weirdly think that this kind of sits right alongside those. I mean, oh, their, totally, their yeah. focus on on combat specifically, the parry system, the way the bosses just get like increasingly more difficult in ways that are like manageable. They're hard, they're challenging, but they are manageable. It just feels like it strikes a really interesting balance. And all of that stuff is not in previous games with the exception of kind of Samus Returns on the 3DS. But as I also mentioned last week, like that game gets hampered by the system it's on. Like it's just hard to control a game that is that frenetic on a console that small. It just feels so natural on the Switch. It like really feels right at home in Metroid and it feels at home on the switch specifically uh i am just like really glowing having beaten this game i, f- I feel very very good about it in Me ways too. that i like couldn't have even dreamed of i was just hoping it would be like passable that was my, that was my <laughs> that was my hope yeah, it's 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 more than passable. I think like fusion is still my favorite, like I think as an experience, because just like yeah. the the actual tension and horror of that is hard to match. Yeah, fusion is scarier, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Fusion's a scarier game, but dread is just like again, like the bosses are tough, but like every boss I found that like when I beat them, I beat them significantly. And I think that's a, yes. a testament to good game design. It's, like, it's never like, because sometimes like in a Souls game, for example, when I win, I'm like, I don't know if I did anything that differently than when I lost a hundred times. I was like, <laughs> right. I, I, like, the right number of variables, like not to say it was luck, but like, I feel like it's like, okay, I get what I need to do. I just have to do it perfectly. Yeah. But in Dread, when you get what you need to do, you'll, you're going to do better. You yes. know, like there are things where like, there are some bosses like, two come to mind where you just explode right away like <laughs> you the boss fight starts and you explode and you're like how do I even begin this yes and then as you see the attacks they very clearly broadcast without being too on the nose they clearly broadcast like for example there's one boss that just spews like radioactive goo all over the map in a <laughs> yeah. beam and so they like charge up in a beam and they move towards you and then they stop and they move towards you again 
And the first thing that happened, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, no matter what I do, I get, I explode. Yeah, you're either getting hit by the beam or you're standing in the radioactive goo on the floor. Right. Yeah. But if you look at the map, there's always one spot on the floor that doesn't have goo on it. And that's where you have to go. And yes. like, there's stuff like that. And also utilizing the tools that you've received, like in the final boss fight, the jump you get, I was constantly doing that. And it was like so tense, but so rewarding. Like yeah. it's a very, I think rewarding is the key word of that game. Like it feels like, you're constantly upgrading yourself and also, you know, if, if fusion is about Samus without power, dread is about having almost too much power and wielding it responsibly. Yeah, um, totally. And the game is, is like almost Samus becoming like the most powerful thing that exists <laughs> <laughs> both narratively and mechanically. So it's, yeah. it's very cool. I, I loved dread. I think it's uh, probably going to come up again in the Goaty episode. But we'll yeah. See. I, I, I have to imagine it will. I, the, the more it sits with me and the more I think back on it, the more I'm like, this is not only like successful, but maybe exceptional, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm excited to eventually like try and play it again. Um, there are now people, it, it's so funny. I mean, as, as I just mentioned with the animal crossing stuff, like I'm sure people are going to download that update and be like it's too small you know after they play 300 hours in four days somehow <laughs> um, immediately as soon as metroid dread came out a lot of the online conversation was like this game is too linear it's like okay maybe you beat it in one specific way that doesn't mean everybody beat it in the same way and as we're finding out now because the game has been out for more than one week there are like many ways of sequence breaking in that game there are like a lot of different ways where you can get you know powers early or change the way in which you're fighting bosses and change the order and things like that like I, I just think the more time that goes on the more we'll find that that game is not very linear I, I think it builds a very strong narrative and and mechanic pull through a specific way of playing it but if you already know the way to go I think it's going to be very rewarding to kind of like go off the beaten path and find some stuff and just like see if you can do things there yeah I don't want to say what it is but there is uh there are a couple upgrades for one specific power-up that you don't get until the pretty much end game that I found and unlocked a bunch of before I had even unlocked unlock the power and every time I did like a, a thing would pop up and be like you don't have this yet I don't know what to do with this which I love like that's so cool that that's an option yeah. um, and I think we'll just reward future playthroughs we should also mention there is a hard mode for this game yeah, which is so funny because like this game is very difficult and you beat it like congrats you got hard mode like what was what, what did, the I, fuck just did I just do <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait wait to shit on my accomplishments <laughs> I want to do it I might stream hard mode just for fun yeah and that's what I love about a game this size is like I would love to to go back through it you know it has almost that yeah. like Mega Man vibe of like going through the same loop in a yeah. different order maybe right yeah I, I yeah I, I really really loved the experience of Dread that final boss is just stellar really good because I, I think I mentioned this either to you off the show or on the show last week but like I got to the last boss I won't say the deal with them but I got to the last boss and it very much was like a I have no idea how to how to even begin this my experience of sitting down the other night and being like I'm gonna just like smash my head against the wall until I get through was so incredible to be like okay okay I have made it like past the first phase that's very interesting that's good to know, you know, and like every time I went through the first phase, I got like slightly better at it and better at it and better at it. And then the second phase, same exact thing. And you just continue to make progress. Like literally every time I started that fight, I made more progress than the last time I had done it until it until it was done. And that like great experience. Really. Yeah. Good. Anyway, that's all I have to say about Metroid Dread. Yeah, it's great. Really great. Speaking of horror in space, 
Uh, I've oh also yeah, recently I'm played, so excited to hear about this. Tell me, yeah, tell me about it. I played finally a uh, Dead Space, yeah. also on Game Pass or on EA Play, but it's yeah. the same thing. The original 360 release of Dead Space on your Xbox Series S. It's worth just mentioning that in case people are listening to this episode far in the future when the remake is coming. Oh out. yeah, yeah, no, this is the original on Game Pass or on EA Play. It's funny too. Whenever you say it, they're like, "Don't touch your 360." I'm like, "I won't." It is that thing died. <laughs> Speaking of Dead Space. Um, (laughs) so stupid anyway um i thought i've been really looking forward to playing this because i've heard nothing but good things yeah and i'm also like i consider myself like a newer horror game fan like i've had a lot of experience with like resident evil and silent hill but up Mm -hmm. until like last year i haven't really like i always thought horror wasn't for me and then like after kind of pushing myself to play biohazard and alien isolation i would credit those two games as like oh shit i do love this yeah alien isolation especially really got me into the genre so this year i'm like trying everything and like you know, right. I loved Village. Uh, I, I loved um, what I played so far for this season. So Dead Space, very excited to finally play it. Worth noting, Dead Space, I think the developers like very clearly said Resident Evil 4 was an inspiration. And mm. you can definitely tell because really? it has okay. the same like over the shoulder view. Right. When you aim, your gun has like actually three like laser sights on it because you have kind of like a. Uh, it's like a cutter, right? It's like a bolt. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I, I think the the what's the guy's name? I. Isaac. Yeah, he's like an engineer on the spaceship, right? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. And that's the thing. This game is going for clearly inspired by Alien. Like, it's very much that vibe. So, like, yeah. the ship you're on, I think they're, like, they're miners. Where they like, I think they call themselves, like, space crackers. Where they, like, will blow up a planet and then, like, mine whatever rocks are there. Interesting, yeah. So, it's a similar thing to Alien where it's, like, a blue-collar ship employed by, like, a evil corporation that doesn't care about their well-being. Right. It's not, like, Marines or, like, trained professionals. Yeah. Right, which I think is actually great for horror. And and also just a more interesting story in general. Totally. What's funny though is that Isaac in this game is a silent protagonist, but like you see him over the it, it's weird to have a silent protagonist be a over the shoulder view because mm. it's more apparent that he's saying nothing. <laughs> which I'm I'm not very far. It's worth noting I've only played this game for like 90 minutes, two hours. Which you streamed, so that should be yeah. available on our YouTube at this point if you want to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it is. Um uh, it was a fun time. But uh I uh he eventually puts on this helmet that kind of reminds me of uh Iron mask in tales of arise where like <laughs> it covers his whole face and i'm wondering if that will play into the narrative at all because he's just sort of like being told to do stuff the whole game and mm-hmm. has like you know he's sort of robbed of his like face with yeah. his helmet so i'm like is there going to be like a bioshock twist kind of thing going mm-hmm. on or whatever mm-hmm. right it's really cool i'll say this in a pre-alien isolation world this was like the closest you got to alien as a game yeah like the design of the ship and the lighting of the ship and the sound especially especially incredible like play this game with headphones or really good speakers because that is by far the best part of the game the game itself like i'm enjoying i'm not like quite as blown away as i was hoping to be Mm. based on everything i've heard like it is that really nice midpoint you know you could tell four was the inspiration because like I never really feel overwhelmed by the horror as much as it's tense resource management and being mindful of my ammo. And like, what's interesting is that they tell you that the only way to kill the monsters you run into is by shooting off their limbs. So you have to specifically like stop and aim at certain parts. So like that creates some suspense. My major gripes of the game are that the map is like something you open up while you're walking around. So it doesn't pause the game to look at the map, Yeah, which I imagine is like a, Oh, like, 
It's an immersion thing. Yeah, it's, it sounds like yeah. Far Cry 2. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's cooler conceptually than it is in theory because like you're getting lost in the ship and then you have to pull up a map that's like in front of you as you walk. But it's also like every floor of the ship. So you have to like be walking and moving the map around to see where to go. And it's it's really rough to use. Mm. And I find that like weirdly enough, a lot of my favorite horror games have excellent maps. It's like the one thing you have. <laughs> To help ground you like yeah. village great map Four, great map silent hill 2 all you have is a map the half the game is james checking off rooms and his right. little map is it thing. going for like a metroid thing where it's like kind of purposefully opaque i don't really know i think they want you to feel helpless and i think that like there's other parts where like i found a save point but then i immediately got attacked by a bunch of aliens <laughs> which like was just like it was silly to me it wasn't scary because i'm like this is like you're you're purposely breaking conventions for the sake of the surprise but it's actually more annoying than scary. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. like, I think it's actually really helpful for the horror in Village to, like, see Duke, see a typewriter, and and take a breath before you go back into the madness. Like, it's that space between a clap moment that like if you're only getting attacked then i actually started to feel numb to the enemy because yeah, like right i'm like all right there's something i could have done there's like eight monsters in a room and they go like, like they have like a really obnoxious scream yeah um you're never safe Isaac. yeah right it's yeah. like dude you're actually never safe in this game it's like, all right cool like it's really edgy yeah dead space <laughs> yeah. um but uh the actual atmosphere is very effective. The gunplay is actually pretty fun. Like it's fun to like, it's satisfying to get off the right like limbs when you're attacking an enemy. Mm. And there's also a, kind of like a crafting system where you can like upgrade your gun. You also get like breath of the wild stasis where like it will like oh, freeze really? something. So it starts to move slowly, which is really fun. And you use that with different puzzles. So it's a really cool game. It's on game pass. If you haven't played it, I'd recommend it. I would say that if you're going into the past for horror, titles i don't know this would be like the first one i recommend yeah especially considering the remake is like announced and on the horizon yeah i think the remake will probably be the way to go and honestly i think alien isolation is the way to go because i think that's like (laughs) they're going for that vibe so strongly but i would say like in alien isolation you you are so helpless that it's like pure horror Mm. this game is more of a okay you can fight the enemy so if you really want like Resident Evil 4 in space, this is the perfect game to play. Yeah. And I feel like that that is a good selling point. It's like, I want like a sci-fi, lonely experience, but with like the combat of Resident Evil 4. Right. And I imagine that's why this game was such a big hit, because like, that's a great idea. I just think other games have kind of one-upped it since a little bit. Mm, Yeah. But yeah, so again, like maybe maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, the thing is like announcing a Dead Space remake doesn't mean it's going to be good, you know? Which is, I, I think, yeah. my uh, my big like hesitation there, and like why I've been kind of waffling on also checking out the original Dead Space on Game Pass is like, do I want to have this experience or do I want to wait and see if this new thing is actually going to like improve upon it? But either way, I've been hearing about Dead Space like forever, um, and and I know they're like diehards for that franchise. So oh yeah, I, I'm hoping that remake is good. I'm hoping that's the way to play it. Um, but if not, it's wonderful to know that the original is available um, and backwards compatible on the Xbox Series S yeah. and X, and it plays well and it looks really cool like the the actual atmosphere of the ship i think that's why it has such a devoted fan base because like it was pretty shocking when it came out on the 360 i do remember yeah i went i went to a friend's house when dead space came out and i watched him play it for like 30 minutes before we like went out and did some stuff and was just like blown away that that was on the xbox 360 yeah absolutely so it's cool and i'm also so early on i imagine it will get better as it continues but um yeah it's still a great time like i'm i i've enjoyed my time with it you can tell though on this stream that i get very frustrated with the map which is really like <laughs> 
<laughs> the one big thing for me. But yeah. uh, either way, it's it's a great time. Yeah, you're you're, uh, you're a big map guy. I need a good map. You, you need know? a good map. Yeah, if you um, I I don't know if you'll ever. Did, did you play Jedi Fallen Order? No, I I should. A dear friend lent it to me, and it's on Game Pass. Yeah. So I feel like I have every ability to play it, but I just haven't. Yeah. I th- we we talked about that game long ago when it came out. In the I think cats that was in our episode. that was yeah. our cats episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I liked it enough. Like I finished it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, the thing that really surprised me about that game was like, oh my god, this is what every Metroidvania map should feel like. Um, mm. The map is really good. It looks opaque and hard to use at first, and then once you realize what it's trying to do and the quality of life stuff that it's improving and why it's as complex as as it is, it's like, oh yeah, this is actually like a really wonderful map. Anyway map talk very the one spooky. good thing about the dead space map is that when you have it open and you're moving you'll see where you're moving on the map the problem is that every floor above you is also visible and not translucent so it's covering everything <laughs> so all you're really seeing is every floor above you which doesn't help yeah, you know that's funny it's like if your gps just said where you need to go but didn't give you directions it's like i yeah i get that yeah <laughs> okay how do i drive west yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, it's a cool time. Uh, yeah. And if you like space, you'll love Dead Space. Yeah. Cool. So. Dead Space. It's available. We got one more spooky season game for this episode. Something we have both. Played. You guessed it. It's Dragon Quest Nine: <laughs> Sentinels of the Starry Skies for the Nintendo DS, which I have been playing and and will not talk about on the show. It's back for blood, it's baby. It's back for blood. Spawn out. Spawn out. Bum, 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 Um. All right. Sorry. I had to do it. That was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've done that. <laughs> you've done that bit for me a lot over the past couple of days. And I'm glad that the best version of it just happened into a microphone and was yeah. recorded. Well, I didn't want to like, we were chatting over the phone. We were playing. I didn't want to like scream in your ear. I guess I am doing the same thing here, but it yeah, feels yeah. more distant. Yeah. It's better. Yeah. Than, yeah I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Bah, 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 bah. I, I, I kept just doing that while we were playing. Okay. Back for blood is out. It is basically left for dead three. Pretty much, yeah. It's by Charter Rock Studios, available on Game Pass. It's by uh, a, a bunch of developers who did work on the original Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. So it's kind of like a, hey, Valve, if you're not going to make this, we're going to make this kind of experience. Totally. We talked about it when they announced it, maybe E3 or Game Awards stream, yeah. like way back when, but uh, kind of didn't realize it was coming out so soon. And then it just kind of dropped on Game Pass. And we were like, oh, yeah, we should check this out. So you and I played it together the other day when it dropped. And had a really good time with it yeah it's fun we played most of act one i would say yeah which was like uh, what two hours of game with act one yeah i think this is like maybe the best like game pass game not in the sense of like it's that was exactly good yes i was gonna say the exact same thing this is a great game where it's okay if like a bunch of friends want to play for a bit to check it out, everyone has access to it. Like it's a good thing to like have on the platform with that. Yes. Like I'll probably end up buying it, honestly. I just think it's like a good selling point for this system itself. Totally agree. But yeah. So we played a bit of it. It has a lot of what you expect from Left 4 Dead. So like Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 were both like co-op games where you were up against like hordes of zombies. And there would also be like in the midst of the zombie hordes, there would be you unique zombies that all had like an ability so there was like the smoker mm-hmm. that had like a long tongue that would like grab one of the players and pull them up there was the hunter that were like edge lords with hoodies that would jump on you a lot of really fun chargers like they were all really fun and what was really cool is that 
there was another mode where you could play as those zombies. Like when you died, you switched teams and you would play as one of the uh, the unique zombies that had those powers. Yeah, it's great. So were you a big Left 4 Dead fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, me too. I, I haven't talked about it much on this show, but Left 4 Dead 2, I, I, I think I missed the first one, but Left 4 Dead 2 included the maps and characters of both. And they're largely the same game, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Left 4 Dead 2 was very much kind of like what Hitman has been doing recently, which is like, we'll just take everything that was in Hitman 1 and put it in 2 and then te- take everything that was in 1 and 2 and put it in 3. That's what Left 4 Dead 2 was, which I actually weirdly like I liked Left 4 Dead 2, but I played Left 4 Dead 1 like way, way more than the second one. Like I really got my fill of Left 4 Dead uh, when the yeah. first one was out. I ended up because we just did like my friends and I would play it a lot. That was like the game I played with friends and we were like catching up over the phone. Yes, totally. And it was perfect for that. And it was also like a really good like I loved their approach at the genre because the zombies were like from 28 Days Later where they were really fast mm-hmm. and they were really frantic. And I also love that movie. So it felt like fun to be <laughs> in it. But yeah. um, you know, because usually it's like like a zombie mode is like being slowly overwhelmed. But I like that it was like just a crowd of zombies would run towards you and you had to like grab an electric guitar and like you know strike them with it or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever you had but there was also like weirdly a zen flow to it that would get obstructed by the unique zombies that would throw off whatever your strategy was yeah yeah that what i remember about those games that they were very dynamic was very interesting so like it's worth mentioning this was like made for four people teams so like if you if you could get you know three other people together you would play this together hence the four and left four dead but anyway if you and your team like cleared out an area like say you were running there's like an area airport level in the second one so you're running through the airport and you like clear out a whole terminal and you're like wow we did it let's scour the area for ammo and things like that the game will recognize that you're like lingering in an area and will then be like no 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 fuckers second horde new special zombies getting thrown at you like they really wanted to keep the tension up at all times it was very dynamic in that way and i really really appreciated that because it made every single run because the whole idea is that you're playing the same levels over and over again it made every run feel like it could really be whatever yeah and that that is the most fun way of doing a game like this like it is very hard to keep up the tension when you have played through the same level multiple times but knowing that it was dynamically changing to match that and if your friend died they were the zombie ah beautiful yeah, beautiful design. absolutely that yeah. added like 10 years to the game's lifespan basically yes. and i think that's this is the kind of game that doesn't feel like it initially would be a huge hit like that but like people are still playing left 4 dead 2 to this day because like they've never gotten tired of it yeah i get it i mean like i think the only reason i stopped is i got a new computer basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't um, have a 360 anymore so i got rid of it the other secret ingredient that i think really elevated those two games just great characters like i Dude, think yeah. um, great writing. one especially yeah. but like like the the cast of both games were just really fun. The the dialogue that would organically happen between the party members both helped on a gameplay level because they would like call out ammo or like what was happening to them. Mm-hmm. But also just added so much character, like literally. And they were telling jokes and they would lighten the mood, but they were always in it. And like they would mourn characters who died. And it felt like you were kind of experiencing your own little story every time you played it. Like it would be like adding to that dynamic feeling. Totally. It would be like a different zombie movie every time. Like who who survived at the end? Was it Zoe? Was it, you know, mm-hmm. Francis? Like, so I, I really got to love those characters over the years. And so I'll say this about Back for Blood. I think that it definitely scratches the itch. I think it's a very successful spiritual follow-up to Left 4 Dead. Yeah. And I think the standout thing for this game is the level design. The the levels are beautiful, like the lighting and the color choices. It's a it's a weirdly colorful game, which you would like, I think, normally associate like a zombie game with like an unsaturated 
saturated palette, but there's like a lot of really vibrant colors that are used, which yeah. really help the experience. And also the levels like a lot of the level missions like we did one where you have to like plant explosives on a boat and then like run off the boat back to the harbor and like. That's one of the simpler missions, and it was so tense and so fun to pull off. I will, I will say outright yeah. that is one of my favorite multiplayer experiences of the year. Is that moment? Yeah. Just, just like let me just paint a picture of how this went. <laughs> Stephen and I are playing together. You know, we have two bots, and it's Stephen and I. Uh, and the the goal is take these two bombs, go into this boat, and blow up the boat from the bottom. So you and I have to run back onto a zombie infested boat, plant these explosives in two specific areas. Areas, run back up through the boat to the top. It's like a ferry. It's like a like a kind of New York, like Staten Island ferry kind of thing. If you've seen Spider-Man Homecoming, you've seen what these ferries look like. Anyway, um, <laughs> go to the bottom of the ferry, plant the explosives, get up to the top of the ferry, run off, jump off the boat onto a bridge, watch the boat explode. Uh, of course, as soon as you plant the bombs, a, a timer starts going down uh, and you need to run as quickly as you can to get off the boat. I made it off the boat like pretty much immediately and took the two bots with me. You had a harder time getting off the boat yeah you know that's my fault too i should have kept with you i should have helped you fight the zombies but instead what ended up happening was because you can see the the highlighted like outline of your uh your companions like through walls and stuff so i'm watching the outline of you running through the boat as the timer is going down eventually there are 20 seconds left and you finally make it to the top floor you're on this you're on the top of the boat and you have to run across and then jump off the boat onto a bridge and I'm watching this timer go down from 20 seconds, which feels like an eternity in a moment like this, where me and the two bots are just unloading on the zombies in front of you, trying desperately to make sure you don't have to kill anything. All you need to focus on is running. And it, like, dear listener, literally at one second left, Steven makes it to the other side of the boat and sprint jumps off of the boat onto the bridge as the whole thing goes up in flames and explodes <laughs> behind him. Oh, it was exhilarating. It was yeah. it was rewarding. It was beautiful. It was the kind of thing you can't even script. Like it is as perfect as a moment can be in a video game. And it was all just because of like how the experience played out for the two of us. And oh, th yeah. that is the reason why I think Back for Blood like succeeds at all. Because there are some things about it that I think are not as strong. I don't think the like design of the special zombies is very interesting. It's a little and, bland. Yeah, it's like a little bit yeah. like... Um, like there's like a Mr. X looking zombie like from yeah. Resident Evil 2 that has like a weak point arm. There's an ogre that looks like an ogre. Like, yeah. And I think too like the pacing of enemies is completely whack. At least where we are in the game where mm. it's like there isn't that methodical flow. And again I realize that Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 have the privilege of like having been played to death and out for a decade and I played yeah. this game once. Right. So like I'm not trying to make any too declarative statements here but just from our time with it at least like the zombies aren't like run oh, oh they're also they're called ridden which just bugs me just call them zombies yeah call what them is zombies this ridden stuff yeah. you know like oh my god anyway um <laughs> we could not stop dunking on the ridden <laughs> yeah we're like how many ridden have you killed oh, have you heard of ridden <laughs> the normal zombies like don't have the same speed and like crowd like 
offense that the older games did, which is fine. Yeah. But what ends up happening is like you'll be going through the level and it'll be kind of weirdly slow. Like there'll be like stragglers here and there. And then out of nowhere, there's like 18 Mr. X's. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really feel fun because I think that like it's like, OK, in, in the older games, there was like a clear flow to the combat and then the special zombies would like throw that off yes and here it just feels like everything is constantly being thrown off like regardless of anything yeah there's there's no neutral point the neutral point weirdly is like headshotting one zombie from a distance and then every once in a while it's like oh now there's too much like you either have not enough or too much and there's there's actually one instance i think it was right before the bridge sequence before we made it to the boat around, you know, the the end of that part of act one that we were at where you and I were like, this feels like Left 4 Dead. Like this is exactly what we wanted. And then we realized after the fact that we had actually been meant to like move on. We were supposed to just leave that area and continue <laughs> running across the bridge. We were lingering in this spot because we were like, yes, yes, this is it. This is the game we wanted. Not realizing that the game was actually sending so many zombies at us because it wanted us to not be there anymore. Yeah, it was the clue to move on. Yeah. But that's it. Like, I, I think you make a you make a great point that like you and I have played so little of it. Like we definitely we, we sat down, and we played for like two and a half hours ish. We're like, I think a third of the way through act one and there's four acts, I believe. Um, So there's like a lot of game left for us to play. Totally. And I think that that I think that if you and I sit down and we continue to play it and like we, you know, call up our friends and say like, hey, download this. We should all play this together. Like, I think we'll probably have a fun time. Oh, yeah. It succeeds at being the fun co-op experience you want it to be. Yeah. And they've added some cool stuff. So like at the start of every like chapter of the act, there's like a shop where you can like buy upgrades for the team, and like different weapons and ammo and stuff. Yeah. I love that. There's also like a deck builder thing going on, which I don't know what to make of yet because it feels yeah. like it's like, oh, deck builders are hot. You got to throw this in. But like what ends up happening is like you can choose to give everyone more health or give something completely useless to everybody. It's like that's what but I'm the seeing thing is so like, even, like Even the health upgrade is like insubstantial. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like nothing. It's like add five health and you already have 300 health. So it's like, I, okay, right. I have 305 health is that going to help me like not get killed by a zombie probably not yeah like maybe maybe again maybe further in the deck building part of it is more substantial yeah, but maybe like, there's rare cards like who knows yeah maybe we get into hearthstone territory i don't feel anything from what i choose you yeah, know it's like i agree i what i do feel more of though is that every character has like a passive ability or like yes like some kind of buff and that actually is is more noticeable in the game so there is a bit more strategy of like who you play as i'm pretty sure in left for dead one and two it was just a cosmetic thing who you were yeah whereas in this game like i played as mom who i think gets an extra revive every chapter which like that rules thanks yes. mom extremely helpful we needed it too yeah another thing though i will i will say is that like i don't really like the tone the game has like mm -hmm. in that like left for dead was a really great like light-hearted approach at a zombie movie i think what left for dead one and two did was that it had sort of a Shaun of the dead vibe where all the characters were funny yeah. but they the stakes were real and when people died they felt it and they like spoke to it so mm -hmm. like it has this sort of like comedy that becomes a horror movie whereas in this game it feels like everyone is like deadpool like this is a cut scene where there's like <laughs> someone shooting a bunch of ridden and then they're like, I love peaches and they eat a can of peaches. I'm like, this is so shitty. Like, I, I, I just yeah. hate this. You're like, I don't know. I maybe I'm being too harsh, but like the the jokier part of it feels really forced and really not working for me at all. Yeah, my my response to that would be you're right, but comma uh 
the game isn't about that. And that's that's, I think, why yeah. I'm able to give that a pass. Like it it would be yeah. nice if it was better. I, I totally agree. Like, I wish that it was closer to the tone that they struck in Left 4 Dead. I think that'd be nice. But at the end of the day, as you already mentioned, like the game is about like being on voice chat with your friends and turning the game volume down pretty low and like not even paying attention to what the characters are saying because you and your friends are just catching up, you know, like that's that's what it is. You know, it's like it's like a destiny kind of thing. It's like it's like playing like Madden or whatever with your friends. Like it really is just about hanging out um, and having something to do and like that sounds reductive but like that there's a beauty in that kind of game like i'm glad games like that exist and back for blood like does get that part down for the most part i think you and i are in an interesting spot where we haven't experienced all of it yet so it hasn't become like a kind of mindless thing it's a very active thing where like in destiny early on or when i was playing destiny and destiny 2 with like a, you know a stable group of people that i played all of destiny and destiny 2 with like constantly every day for years the experience of playing those games was like a new raid comes out this is thrilling we spend you know three nights in a row staying up till 3 a.m trying to beat this raid together and then once we do it and we figure it out then it's just like, let's just keep running the raid over and over again. And you get through it in like one night very quickly and eventually it becomes like a one hour experience. And and it's just like an excuse for you and your friends to hang out and like try and grind out loot. That is what this game will become eventually. But right now it's very active. Like right now it is very like, I have no idea. Like you and I trying to figure out like, oh shit, we have to pick up these bombs and put them on the boat. What are you talking about? We already <laughs> left the boat. Well, we have to go yeah. back on the boat. Holy shit. You know, like that, that is the kind of experience that we're having currently. And and yeah, the reason Left 4 Dead has stuck around for so long is because people have like figured yeah. out what to do. I don't think the banter gets in the way at all. And I do think I that agree. the characters yeah. are all intriguing. Like when you're selecting who to play as, they all like look fun. And yeah, like- we also just unlocked four more characters who seem like they're even wilder than the first four that they give you. So yeah. I'm excited to see what they're all about. So yeah, it, it's fun, but I just like, I think that was such a hidden strength of the first game. I agree. Yeah. That, that I am, you know, it, it doesn't ruin it, but it doesn't elevate it. You know, it, it's something that it's like, is there. And the fact yeah. that the best thing you can say about it is that you turn the volume off is like probably not a great. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a thing that like you didn't realize was working until you had a comparison point, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. Now that back for blood exists, it's like, Oh yeah. Left for dead, like killed it on the tone perspective. Yeah, it's yeah. a hard act to follow and and this game is very much exceeding at what it's trying to do and it's a really fun co-op experience so I'm into it. Yeah, me too. I think we'll play it again. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to keep going. And, and again, it's on Game Pass. Check it out. Play it with your friends. I was going to say, too, that like I'm excited to play with four people because the AI is... Oh, my God. Yeah, the AI is real The rough. bots were like relentlessly unhelpful. Like, <laughs> you know, just not not there for us when we needed them. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. They, they would like heal me when I had almost full health very frequently yeah. and not when I had one health. Yeah. I wonder if that's like encouragement to play with friends. Like, don't even bother with these bots. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It's possible. Um, That is a complaint I've seen. I've heard that there's like a really lackluster single player, but like, I don't even know if I ever played Left 4 Dead single player. Like, it's just not meant to be that. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, the game is built to not be played single player. And like, as unfortunate as, as that is for like people who don't have the ability to play with friends for whatever reason, like, that's what the game exists for, you know? But that's why I make such a good point for Game Pass. It's like everyone, if you have that, you can just all try it out. You totally. Know? It's like an yeah. easier onboarding process. Yeah. I don't know where this game is at, but it reminds me a little bit of Minecraft Dungeons. Like Minecraft Dungeons is kind of a similar thing where like that is a like dungeon crawler, like roguelike kind of thing that is meant to be played in groups of four, kind of like a gauntlet or like a, a trine or something like that. And and I, I was really happy that that just launched on Game Pass because it just seemed like the most obvious place for it. And they, they continue to update that game, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I, I think that these are the kinds of games, as you alluded to, that are like perfect for this service, you know? Yeah. Because like if you build a game that must be played by four people, getting four people to spend 60 or $70, depending on platform, on a new thing day one is like kind of rough. It's honestly, I think one of the reasons that, um, what is that game? Aliens Fireteam Elite or Elite Fireteam that like came out recently. I don't hear it talked about a lot like i'm not hearing a lot of discussion about that game outside of the people who had to like review it and talk about it on podcasts and stuff who are like this game fucking rules like this game is sick this is what you want back for blood to be this is what you want like any video game adaptation of aliens specifically james cameron's aliens to be like they they find they nailed it it's like the four-player co-op experience that you want it to be but again it's not on any service like game pass or whatever so everybody has to like drop full price for it right now to experience that back for blood is like an obvious pick by comparison right now yeah yeah maybe one day aliens fireteam elite will be on game pass and then (gasps) you and i will play it or it'll be very much on sale that is a game i desperately want to play because it looks incredible but uh at the moment back for blood is it for me thank you i'm excited to play more of it maybe we'll report back if like anything changes but i imagine this is like a pretty on par perspective on the game yeah i would be surprised if we're like man act four gets really strange unicorns (laughs) no more zombies all unicorns yeah the text only chapter of this game was really (laughs) yeah it becomes a twine game yeah mom just kept uh texting me over and over again and then the game crashed yeah it has the same ending as Gone Home. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sephiroth kills mom. Right. Anyway. But yeah. Back for Blood. It's on Game Pass. Um, and also we should play PC. it again soon. Like real soon. I agree. Yeah. I, I put, let's play it this week. Hey, have you had better days? I've had better days. <laughs> Ridden. <laughs> anyway yeah uh, what was the thing oh you gotta be ridden mate we just kept yelling out <laughs> over and over you gotta be written more ridden all i was doing in our chat was bump bada, bada. you gotta be written you, you got you gotta be bump, you gotta be ridden me <laughs> anyway in case you're wondering what it's like to play games with the two of us insufferable <laughs> is the answer <laughs> yeah. i think we need aj to balance us out you know yeah aj you're editing this you can hear this. Yeah, Come play, play Back, for, back blood for Blood with us. With us. All right. <laughs> wrap up? I'm done. I'm sick of this. Gaming. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow uh, is to share with a friend. Into the cast at online. Is I just want to. I just want to say thank you. A lot of people have tweeted the show out, or like have been tweeting adjacent to the show recently, or like sharing the show with people, and and uh, we see all that. And thank you so much for doing that. Like for real, yeah, for, real. for real. Like we say that every week. It's like part of the the outro. But like you sharing the show with a friend is actually like wildly helpful for us, and that that yeah. is so 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 cool. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that. Like for absolutely. Real. Yeah. It, it becomes, I never want that sentiment to feel like it's on autopilot. We mean it every week. Truly. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you reverberating that, but uh, yeah. So into the cast and online is our hub for everything. Uh, it has links to every way to listen to the show as well as our YouTube and Twitch page. I'm going to keep streaming horror games the rest of the month. I don't know what the next one's going to be. I'm on the fence of doing Doki Doki Literature Club. Um, I also might do Costume Quest too, which could be fun. Oh, no way. That. Yeah. It's also on Game Pass. 
I just I, I don't think there's a way to play Costume Quest One anymore. Is what oh, I really? have learned recently. Yeah, so that that's a double fine game that launched on the PS3 originally, and maybe it's available on the PS3 still. Maybe it's on yeah. PS4 and Five. I'm not really sure, but I was looking for it recently, and I couldn't I couldn't find a way to play it, which kind of bummed me out because I really loved the first Costume Quest. I've never played the second one. Um, yeah, I think my plan for next week's spooky season segment is Limbo, Costume Quest Two, and Doki Doki Literature Club. Cool. Because I also recently got a physical copy of Silent Hill Two for the PS2, and I, I might save that for the last week. For the last you know? week, great. And then of course we'll have Luigi's Mansion's bonus. But into the castle online, you'll find everything there. I'm also going to keep resuming my Golden Deer maddening stream. I had oh, some nice. people ask me about that because I've I've been on hiatus because of. The horror streams. I think what might be the best move is I might I might do it here or there this month, but I think very like concretely, um, the start of November will be a good time for me to resume that because the Pokemon remake of fourth generation, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, those don't come out until the 19th, I think. So I'll have like the beginning of November with just like free space. Yeah. So that'll be a good time to go back to Golden Deer for a bit until the new nuzlocke run begins yeah see so yeah, a golden deer will be like our anchor like whenever there's like you know i'll i'll resume it over time i think it's probably the best way to go through that game on totally. that difficulty yeah anything else you're streaming yeah I'm, I'm still making my way through resident evil village uh new game cool. plus uh which is fun i had to take a break this week just because i i've been so so wildly busy in my real and work life but i'm excited to get back to that because i i'm like pretty much towards the end of that run uh which is really fun which means um Amazing. i'll probably be able to finish it knock it out in a couple more episodes that's gonna be fun i'm not really sure about more spooky season stuff we'll see i have some i have some ideas but uh i'm not i'm not too sure about them but i do know um i'm gonna pick like a a nice big chunky long game to play in the winter months just like last year so that'll be really fun whatever it ends up being cool yeah. I'm excited for that. Anything else on the horizon, we'll get to you soon, but that's all the immediate stuff that is going on. And yeah. uh, otherwise, just thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Dude, so many games. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, what else is coming out that we're excited about? On October 28th, Voice of Cards, the new Yoko oh, Taro yeah. game, Riders Republic, which is essentially Steep 2, and Mario Party <laughs> Superstars. Oh, sorry. Um, What? No. Uh, Age of Empires 4 all come out on the same day. <laughs> yeah. They're the same game. But anyway, I'm excited about all three of those, uh, which is, you know, maybe problematic for me. And then November, I believe, is Solar Ash and Za 5. Solar right? Ash actually just got pushed this week. Oh, really? To December. Yeah. So that's December. Yeah, it got moved like two or three weeks or something. It's December 2nd now. Uh, but it's, cool. it's Forza Horizon 5, Shimigami Tensei 5, uh, and Pokemon. Amazing. In November. Yeah, it's going to be a fun month. And uh, I think we're going to be recording our Goaty episode in the middle of December. So... You know, we, we got time to yeah. get our list together. Okay. You and I are in a place where we like clearly don't want to stop recording. So maybe we should. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Into the Castle Online, our links to everything. We've had a really fun time today. If you can, uh, if you haven't picked yeah. up on that yet, this has been a really fun record. Hopefully you thought it was fun to listen to. Tell us if it was on the internet. Goodbye. <laughs> Enjoy Dragon Age 2. Bye. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Ooh.